and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I told you, uh, off mic, I'm feeling limber. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Vocally, mentally limber, ready to podcast. All right. I'm in, I, I am in, uh, I'm in top podcasting trim. That's what I'm in. Okay. I, How about I guess you? I, I guess not, not now. Just, uh, I, I just not, I, I can't, yeah, I can, I'm exhausted can't now. With my confidence? Yeah, I didn't expect you to do these, uh, linguistic, uh, gymnastics saying like you're that's in, how you, you're that's in, how you get in podcasting trim. <laughs> linguistic gymnastics. You play with the linguistic medicine ball a little bit. I am also trying so hard, and I guess I'm failing in, in it as I address it. I'm trying so hard to not make a joke about that Swede podcasting trim. Yeah, uh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. But uh, but if <laughs> I didn't, the kind somebody, of show we are. I know, but that exactly. <laughs> but what choice do I have when you set it up like that? Um, I apologize, everybody. I don't. Uh, I do not uh, usually talk like that. But I'm also very <laughs> sleepy. So. I like. For ninety five percent of the podcasts in the world, what you just said is like the safest thing. Oh, ever. no question about it. But you and I are a couple of prudes, so <laughs> that's, that's uh, true. Um, but here, here's the other reason I'm in such a good mood. All right, is that we have a guest. Okay, and we're going to get to him in a minute. We got to take care of some business. Absolutely, we got to keep these lights on. Yeah. Uh, what, what, well, let me let me first tell you before we start the uh, get into the business. I want to tell the listeners at home to. Uh, Make sure your tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds are snug, snugly in your ear canals. And if you don't have them, here's what you do. You go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension where you will get uh, – you can, you, can, you can view uh, tweakedaudio.com's array of uh, professional quality earbuds in a uh, variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. And by going through that slash pretension portal, you get one-third off and free shipping. So now that your earbuds are in place – Tyler, what do we have to talk about? Oh my gosh, so much. It's weird how much I shut down as you go into the tweaked thing. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm predisposed to shutting down today. I feel like I ruined everything by all the uh, pre-show discussion. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm ruined for this episode. Okay, so uh, once again, everybody, we want, we want to talk to you about HIT. I do not have the text in front of me, so I'm going to see if I can go uh, from memory. But it is hit with an exclamation point. No question about that. That I don't... You know what? I do have that written down. Okay. Um, and what is the medium of hit? Is, 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 this, is this a movie? Is, is it a poem? Is it macrame? Let me see if I can recall. I think it might be macrame, actually. <laughs> I think you nailed it. Uh, it is a comic book, David. Can you believe that? I can't, actually. Well, if you can believe that, it. listen to this. Uh... It's about uh, it's about Connor Connolly, a uh, an Irish hitman from Boston who gets sent down to Arkansas. Irish or Irish American? Hmm, I don't recall. Okay, I think probably Irish American. If I, had I to think, guess. Uh, if I recall from reading the book, it's Irish American. Okay, uh, but yeah, so he gets sent down to Arkansas to carry out what seems to be a pretty normal hit because he's a yeah. hitman. He's a hit, yeah, so that, the, that's the, where the title it's comes the, in. It's, it seems to be the kind of murder you wouldn't bat an eye at. <laughs> not, not a murder to write home about. Ex- about. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the kind that you could discuss freely with your relatives. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, and so, uh, but there's more than meets the eye. And you'll have to read more to, to you'll have to read it. Yeah, not it's even a good read twist. More. It's good yeah, twist. It's, it's good stuff. So, uh, we've been more hit. Indeed. I've, yeah, we've both read it and we both really like it. I, I really appreciate the uh, minimalist uh, artwork. And so, everybody, what you can do is you can go to com and click on the skyscraper ad that says HIT. 
And you can buy a digital copy for $3 or a physical physical copy copy for $5. Now, you could do that, but you could also go to their website. Now, David, what is that website? Oh, it's www.gentlemanbabycomics.com. Right. Okay. So, uh, our guest has no idea that this is like a two months long inside joke that has built upon itself. Yeah, I'm sure for those who maybe haven't listened to the last two months, it's gentlemanbabycomics.com. That's where you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure anybody who thinks, Hey, you know, I feel like I'd like to sponsor Battleship Retention for three months. Guess what? After a month and a half, we're probably just going to start mangling all your information (laughs) and not even bother to have it in front of us apparently. So, um, Okay. So, yeah, that's where you can go for the hit comic book. I highly recommend it. It's, uh, you know, $3 or $5. Either way, uh, very inexpensive, and it's worth it. Now, you All have right. a copy for the next thing, right? I do. Because can I read that then? Sure. Give you, give you a break? That'd be great. Okay. This is for our... our uh, okay, I'll, I'm not even going to give the setup, because it's all in the copy here. It's all, it's all there. Andy and Oliver Fry are brothers by blood and best friends by choice. However, that all changes when a spat between Andy and his girlfriend leads to a night of debauchery between the brothers. After copious amounts of alcohol and maybe an illegal drug or two, Andy and Oliver end up sleeping with a girl together, which turns their lives upside down. The Fry Brothers Had a Threesome is the second feature film from Short Pictures Independent. It's a comedy that explores family and friendship through the lens of a regretful, drunken decision. With a host of local Austin-based talent and plans to shoot at the end of this summer, we need your help to make this film the best it can be. Please check out The Fry Brothers Had a Threesome on Kickstarter or click the ad on Battleship Pretension's front page to contribute and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash frybrothers, that's F-R-Y-E brothers, for more information. Thank you. Without your help, this film won't happen. All right. Well done, David. Well done. Uh, I I stumbled a bit. That's all right. I did too last year. Uh, Last week. Um, (laughs) Okay. uh, We have more? Yeah, just a couple of basic things. I wanted to remind everybody that the premium episode in which uh, comedian Bill Dwyer was here, uh, that is still available. It will be perpetually available. It's still a blast. Yes, it's still very funny. You should totes listen to. I don't like that at all. (laughs) Uh, If you go to battleshippretension.com, you'll see uh, a little image with Bill's big, dumb, smiling face on it. (laughs) I purposely picked the most comedic picture of him. Uh, So you click on that. It's only $1.29, and uh, and I will send it to you uh, as soon as I can. Uh, So that, and then lastly, I was on a podcast recently called Podcasting 101, in which I... uh, there's some rather technical stuff on the episode, so if you are somebody interested in podcasting, then uh, you can listen to that and hear some uh, some inside baseball about uh, what it takes to uh, to podcast and my some of my advice to people as far as content. Here's here's a sneak peek, something that I put out there. You're not as funny as you think you are, yeah. <laughs> and that goes for everybody. It's one of the reasons why our first forty episodes are no longer available. Yeah, no. So, uh, <clears throat> it, I mean, you know what? I mean, you might be that fun if you're good friends do a podcast you might be that funny to one another yep i'm sure but yeah that's a that's a good point yeah uh, always assume you are 30 percent less funny than you think you are <laughs> all right let's please bring on our guest because he has been sitting here for seven and a half freaking minutes silently which i can only imagine was torture um <laughs> maybe maybe he's excited about hit maybe he's excited about the fry brothers had a threesome Maybe he's going to go buy that premium episode. Maybe he wants to find out more about podcasting and listen to things through his tweaked audio.com slash earbuds. No, slash earbuds? Slash pretension earbuds. 
you know, maybe he found this to be incredibly informative. I want to stretch this out to a full eight minutes, and it seems we're like gonna, I've done that right now. Uh, there we go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start keeping the computer so you can't see the, the time. Uh, we Off mic, we were talking with our guest about um, interaction with uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. And it was actually uh, a Twitter follower of both of us who yeah. sort of mentioned us both. Uh, and said, you know, when you, I can't remember what he, what he said, and when are you going to be on each other's Bob shows? Bob Phelan. And he said, yeah. And that's why I started the war with you, because he, uh-huh. he was listening to another podcast, like cheating on us, stepping out. <laughs> right. And then I said, oh, I don't know about this battleship pretension, but I'll tell you what, I'm coming for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, then yeah. we got along after that. So. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, you, you've heard his voice. You've obviously seen his name on your MP3 player or whatever sort of device you have. But uh, our guest from the uh, Rope of Silicon podcast it's brad and laramie on movies right oh, that's fine sorry but the uh, it's we'll, both we'll get to that in a second <laughs> um it's laramie legal hello hello there i feel like it was a good eight minutes for me i'll be honest okay, with you. I, I was bobbing around i was enjoying it i mean no skin off my back you want to talk eight more minutes i'll be here i'll just i want like this you can't see that but i'll just go like that i want to let you talk so i can finish this fanta that fanta is delightful you brought <laughs> You brought sodas, and I have never had a strawberry Fanta, and now you have it not is, been living. It what? is my favorite Fanta. Oh, amazing! This is so good. I've only, I think I've only ever had the orange Fanta. Yes, and I'm going. Oh, that's Fago next week, and I'm going to be at the gathering with ICP. That's a whole other story altogether. One we'll get um, to in a moment. Yeah, we, we need to talk. about <laughs> This could that. be my last podcast, to be totally honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but yeah, Bob Phelan, thank you, obviously for for getting us together. I'd listened to the show before. I just didn't know you, and were, I listened to were, you were real people. Like, that never <laughs> occurred to me. You know, I just figured your voice is out there in the, the ether, ethos, stratosphere. Ether? Ether, thank That's you. The ethos one. is a belief system. That's no good. So, yeah. um, I do listen to your show. Like, oh, I don't, like, there's sometimes there's people on there I'm like, oh, I read your website, I listen to your show, and it's like, yes, I have in preparation for this. But sure. I do actually listen to your podcast, but I still got the name wrong. I still well, refer I to mean, it as the Rope of, Rope of Silicon podcast. I think Brad refers to it as that, but if you look on iTunes, it's Brad and Laramie on movies. So if you actually want to right. find it, yes. Laramie, L-A-R-E-M-Y. I wouldn't look Brad. There's a lot of Brad podcasts, so Laramie's your better way to find it. And I think because he hosted on his site, Rope of Silicon, I think yeah. he's got a little more... I'm sure he could just kick me out tomorrow, and then it would be Brad and Brad on movies, but <laughs> wouldn't be as good. Hmm. So, <laughs> what does this look... To, I'm trying to determine... Something? Let's say you and I break up. Sure. You it's and which, I break which, up. Which one... <laughs> well done. Uh, surely. Uh, so, which, uh, which one of us gets the site? Um, you can have it. I don't see you guys breaking up. <laughs> I don't see it happening. If it, <laughs> me and Brad it are far ha- more likely to break up okay. than you two. Yeah, we it would have happened by now, we certainly. We get in fights. Yeah. We're angry. It's just me, actually. I seem to be fighting myself, mostly. Like, he doesn't really pay attention. So, it's just me and me against me. So, what you're saying, David, I, is... I wouldn't put up too much of a fight. Okay. That's nice. That's a nice You, you would let me yeah. have Battleship Pretension. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... Um, I still came up with the name, and that you'd, yeah. have, you'd have to mention that. Every I would. Time. No. <laughs> this is the regular line I give my my wife, actually, not that your spouses, but you can have everything. I don't care. Just leave me like a dog. You know, leave me my dog. That's about it. You can have the house, the car, the debt. Enjoy yourself, but I want the dog. Man, I want oh, the man. living things. Yeah. So, so no kids. We have no children. No. Are you? I, I don't care. But are you planning to? I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that yeah. was no. Just, just get get right in there. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. I don't, I don't care. give a shit about you or your life choices. <laughs> uh, but... what, what I meant is, I don't want you to feel, feel that I'm. I, I, yeah, I phrased it wrong. 
uh, I'm not going to judge you either way. You should. Is what I meant. I expect silent judgment at all times. Uh, I We talked about adopting, which I kind of want to do. I don't think at this point in our lives we're going to have children. We're, we're a little older. We're kind of set in our ways, and mm-hmm. we like just not having responsibility a lot of times. So right now I think we're leaning no, but if you want to call her and talk with her, we could probably change your mind tonight. Now, I'm, you know? uh, my, my girlfriend and I, one of the first things we talked about when we started dating was that we both don't want kids, kids. no kids it's a big conversation yeah and yeah. and i you know knew from my past relationship <laughs> that, of series like this is something that is going to come up if you're on a different page up. it's not so good yeah, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. i it was one of the things that natalie and i got along on it within the first few dates we we're like yeah we're not into into the kid the cheerins as they say yeah Plus, and we have a dog, and it's like, that is enough responsibility for me. It's a lot, yeah. Like, like he's someone's taking care of him tonight. I'm worried already. Just worried, because <laughs> my wife's on the East Coast, so we had to have somebody look in on him, you know, take him home. But I, we've uh, hosted exchange students, which I mm-hmm. find extremely compelling. So I have a Japanese son in Tokyo. <laughs> and if I could recommend anything to future parents out there, have an Asian. They listen. <laughs> you know, they're, they're studious. They're very you, disciplined. You want to be 15 or 16, too, so they've been really, you know, they know their stuff by that point, sure, sure. as ours was. But, uh, yeah. So, basically, one that requires nothing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Shout out so. to uh, my friend, Jin. Uh, but do not get, like, a German or something. They're going to be real lippy, you know? No, I'm just <laughs> totally ethnic stereotypes. I have no idea. We so apologized. We apologize to any of our German listeners. <laughs> please right. please don't hurt us. <laughs> no, so, I, I think it's actually the French who are lippy, but anyway. So, when we have a guest on, like, I usually will ask some sort of interview back type questions so we'll ask about where you're from how you got into movies and writing about movies and stuff like that but there's some more specific things i want to talk about first okay which is um if stuff we already talked about uh listeners if you haven't heard laramie's most recent uh appearance on the slash slash film cast yeah you should definitely do that because Mm. uh it's it's very rare that someone is almost exactly like a uh uh surrogate from my point of view (laughs) on something but you felt Felt almost exactly the same way about Pacific Rim. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because I certainly received many a negative feedback on that episode. I had to block a few people. I don't really block people on Twitter. I was like, nope, not dealing with you. Next. But I I mean, 90% positive, but 10% really love Pacific Rim and really wanted to tell me about it. Yeah, I don't get, like, obviously people can like whatever they like. What did I point out in the show? I'm like, that's fine. If you like it, cool. But Pacific Rim is... I didn't. I don't hate Pacific Rim. No. Like, the way that I... Like, there are movies that... It just comes off as hate once you juxtapose it against the love on the other side. That's yeah. That's the problem. But, yeah. I, I, like, the people who like it, again, I'm fine with them liking it, but I, I can't even see their point of view. Like, the things they're saying they like about the movie, I don't see. Well, the things they like tend to be the things I dislike, weirdly. They're like, it's a big, entertaining spectacle. And I'm like, yeah, that's why it's not a good movie. You know? And it's <laughs> like, so, I mean, you'll notice on that show that we did, I pointed out the things they were saying, like superficial not complex doesn't build character like that came out of their mouths proponents mm-hmm. of the film and yeah. i'm like do you understand what you're saying out loud like you can like this movie let's just not claim it's a good movie like that's a different <laughs> thing right like i'm not saying bright lights and loud noises aren't entertaining at times like we go to rock shows it's fine you know mm-hmm. but let's not call it a piece of good art because it's so clearly not in my mind but i i agree you know. where did, did you fall in pacific rim i didn't see it oh good for you you made the right choice but also but then i did I do see the wolverine couple days ago though so mm-hmm. we all have our thing um i do have I a slight a, a very slight bone to pick though did you pick it is, oh good uh you did you compared pacific rim to starship troopers in terms of being another movie you don't like whereas i love starship troopers but what do you love starship troopers for i think it's really funny and i think intentionally so okay so you think 
they execute what they intended to do on Starship Troopers. Yeah, and I think if you watch enough of Paul Verhoeven's work, especially compared to uh, a thing like RoboCop, you see that this is... This is total he, recall. This is what he does. Yeah, like his his over the over the top uh, comedic thing uh, mixed with like. Ultra I think that's fair. I think what happened there though is they tended to market that film as a serious film, and it oh, tended yeah. to be liked by some people as a serious film, and that's where you kind of lose me. If you wanted to call it a work of satire or something, then I think I'm on board. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I think it's brilliant uh, satire. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I think, but people try to do that with like Battleship too. They're like Peter Berg wasn't trying to make a real movie. And I'm like, I didn't. I'm see pretty Battleship. sure he was, and, and that's the problem. Man, yeah. I did not see. I didn't see Battleship. It's a nightmare. I forgot. I, I forgot was, that it existed. Yeah. And I was scheduled so to lucky. go, and then something like something came up. My girlfriend was like, "Hey, are you free on Tuesday?" And it's I was like, like yeah. "You know what? Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I do that too." It's like, and you don't believe movie? in divine <laughs> intervention, David. <laughs> Um, but but uh, I, mean, I think that's that the intent thing gets really, really dicey really quickly because it's hard for us to know intent. And I've talked to directors who their intent was different, and that makes me feel different about the movie as well. So I don't think most people are looking at intent when they watch a film. They're seeing how it bounces off them, not what the person was actually trying to do. And I, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't think you need to be thinking about the intent so much as the as the result, which is what you're saying there. But... Um, like I'm not going to I'm not going to round Starship Troopers up because uh, because I like its intent I think it it succeeded at what it what it intended and therefore I I can I can like it you know there's I was actually thinking about because um, I was reading uh, a website that I read uh, and someone was defending the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with Christy Swanson which uh, you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show of all time I, I respect that that movie but it's not a very good movie but they were saying it's great and I feel like that's that's the kind of thing where they are knowing in it like in retrospect knowing what Joss Whedon's original script was like what he meant yeah. and they're rounding the movie up to what they want it to be yeah we'll whereas be, it's not that we all become apologists for the people we like probably like it's hard to measure any kind of bias on that mm-hmm. but I guess I would redirect and ask what did Pacific Rim not accomplish that you feel Starship Troopers did uh, Starship Troopers had um, uh, I think uh, I'm trying not to be mean about Pacific Rim. Starship Troopers had this sort of unifying. It had a purpose for existing. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, yeah. I think it other had, than pure commerce. Yeah, yeah it had an <laughs> idea. Like, uh, like I don't want to. I don't want. I, I have trouble with specifics because then I feel like I'm limiting myself. And I'm not trying to be uh, reductive about Pacific Rim. I guess my point with both was, and I would say Starship Troopers is a much funnier film. I, mean, I would give a lot of credit for that. I would say it's a more entertaining film for me. But where I felt they both kind of missed is I think at points they both wanted to be real movies. And I'm not sure. I think Starship Troopers is a little more effective as, I, I as a agree. real movie. I would agree with in that. In terms of... But not the whole way. Um, okay, well, I want to finish my last sure. thought, which is that uh, I, I said I said idea or reason for exist, but I think what I really mean is a point of view. Mm-hmm. I think there's a point of view in Starship Troopers and not necessarily in Pacific Rim. Uh, but the thing you're talking about, the sort of real movie thing, um, as... As as Gonzo as they are, the action sequences in Starship Troopers are are inventive, interesting. They have stories within them, you know, sort of uh, that 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 play out. Whereas in in Pacific Rim, what, did I just say Starship Troopers or Pacific Rim? You said Starship. You're fine. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, in Pacific Rim, I felt like every action, every fight that should be it uh, should completely blow me away. It's a giant monster and a giant robot. You should become be able to come up with all sorts of things, and every fight was essentially the same. They're well, in the water. It's raining. It's night. Uh, they're punching each other. Thing. A lot of the action movies, though, are doing this, where the fight is the fight for the fight's reasons, which gets you to the next page in the script. Like Wolverine, I would say, 
uh, th- there was an exceptional scene on a train that was yep. really well done. That was great. But other than that, the fights were there because 10 minutes had passed and it was time for a fight, not because it had consequences or meaning. Yes, no question about it. Well, uh, The Wolverine is a film that I found fascinating because it seems to be kind of at war with itself because it's, it is not structured and it does not have the feel of a regular run-of-the-mill comic book movie or superhero movie. It seems to be kind of an action movie that Wolverine happens to be in. Um, but, and, and so I find that it actually seems like more of a mediocre action film. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself judging it against that, in which case there is the expectation of an action sequence. But part of me is just like, well, just cause, just cause there's that expectation doesn't mean I have to like it. Um, and there were times when, when, they seem to be quietly exploring a relationship as much as they're going to, uh, or exploring the character, then like, oh, here we go. Here's here's something to interrupt it. And I feel like if it had been willing to be somehow more of a superhero movie, I feel like they could have avoided that. There are, there are, there are superhero movies that are at, that have long stretches of no real of no action because they're exploring this fantasy world. Whereas I feel like in action movies they tend not to explore their world. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's it. So a lot of those action sequences felt perfunctory. Perfunctory is exactly the word I was thinking of. Um, there's one or two. I think the uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think the uh, the sword fight at the end is mm-hmm. pr- it's a well done. Mm-hmm. It's well done and it actually works within the story uh, as much as anything's going to. But yeah, it's. Uh, does I haven't seen the movie. Does the Wolver does, does Logan have a sword or is he fighting a sword with his claws? Fighting sword and claws. Okay. Sword. That sounds pretty cool. I would I would say Wolverine is the character, maybe Ghost Rider, that they've missed the most from the comics intent. And I I say that growing up as a Wolverine comic reader. Yeah, me too. They've made him into this rom com sort of Logan, and I never got that from. I felt like he was always on the edge of sanity in the Wolverine comics and always on the edge of not being accepted because he was so violent or so willing to fight. And yeah. here it's like he's just like Hugh Jackman. Like it's a way different thing. Yeah, they the the character is very different and I st- I'm okay with this character because as I think I've said in in other in other maybe other podcasts completely, but uh just um you know, we still have the comic book Wolverine. So I'm fine with that. This doesn't negate that, but I prefer that. I feel like that. Uh, yeah. You have comic to make choices, character, which yeah. I get, but I just don't like the choices they made. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think the comic book character is more dynamic. That gives you more places for him to go. The idea of this guy who is very animalistic and yet strives for a code of honor. Yeah. The, there's a contradictory aspect to that. Whereas this character, he never feels like he's out of control. Right. There's never the berserker rage, except in this, in the storming of the X Mansion in X Men Two, when he's really going after all those guys, in that moment it feels like, oh, he's because that's the, he's I think it's the first instance when we when we see him kill somebody. Yeah, and it seems really demographic focus group tested to me. This Wolverine, it feels like ladies will like this part, young men will like this part. Now we've got a movie. Like it just feels really formulaic to me, and like. They've gotten their claws, see what I did there, well, <laughs> into this character. So Oddly enough, it didn't necessarily feel... I guess it does feel formulaic, but just not the formula that expecting, I was yeah. expecting. Yeah, yeah. But formulaic nonetheless. I yeah. wanted to like it more than I did. And there are parts of it that I really like. Well, Saturday and I, in Japan's awesome. Like, I was yeah, pro that. There yeah. was, I thought it was kind of ballsy that, aside from Hugh Jackman, there are no 
notable like American actors. That, and the fact that this is a summer superhero movie that takes place in Japan and there's only one star, mm-hmm. only one superhero to speak of, I thought was pretty great. The first 15 to 20 minutes of this film are, are good. Like, yeah. good to great. And I, I forget the name because I saw it like three weeks ago. What was the name of the first female lead? Her o, Oiko? Yukio. Uh, so, Yukio, yeah. Yukio? Yeah. And then there's Mariko. And, yeah, yeah, Mariko didn't like... Yukio loved. I love mm-hmm. that character. I love the alt sensibility of it. I love that she also seemed to be a counterpoint to Wolverine in terms of like unpredictable, yeah. sort of, you know, a weird person, kind of cool. And I thought, okay, this movie's going to be awesome because it's going to be these two of them. Doesn't have to be a love interest necessarily. Could just be a counterpoint to Wolverine in a female form a little mm-hmm. bit. I thought that would have been really interesting, but th- that's not what they did. You know, Wolverine actually, and I keep returning back to the idea that this movie is more of an action film than a superhero film. Wolverine really does have a John McClane quality to him in this, in that, and I res- I respect this aspect of it, in that whenever you go into a superhero movie, you know that they're going to be fine. <laughs> they're they're going to be all right. It's a whereas huge he, problem, though. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he does get the shit kicked out of him in a number of ways to the point where, should I say spoilers? I mean, do you I, care? I, I err, um, but the li- I don't care. But the listeners care. <laughs> this, okay, this and all it did traces just back out. to that moment of screenwriting. <laughs> oh lord, they're not going to make it, right? Like all right, these, yeah, they yeah. seem to all nail this in the third act, where it's like he can't possibly get up from this. But we all know that he's oh, getting. A- yeah, yeah, so we all know me, it. But it's just how much damage do they inflict? Do they, you know, sustain mm. as they get to the end? And compared to other you know like captain america or Ugh. thor or something yeah. like that uh wolverine gets quite a bit of punishment you know which is what, in the same way like nobody watched john mcclane nobody watched Die Hard and thought john mcclane wasn't gonna win the difference was he was touchable and yeah. wolverine a or, character yeah, who I historically think, is not touchable right was in this film and, and that yeah, was something, something about I bloody feet that speaks to people like you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean like it's so there bloody feet in the wolverine no oh okay. there's That's bloody a number McClane of other but yeah and especially Lord. like at that era like as you'd had you know most a decade of you know rambo and commando and all these kind of things to see yeah. to see this who like, are larger so, than life to see yeah a, to see a guy with thinning hair five eight like, guy yeah, yeah with with yeah. like big ropes of blood coming out of his feet yeah, yeah. probably a big a big shot there was a yeah. little bit of that in lethal weapon as well like those kind of guys like these are just guys who happen to be able to pop their shoulder out you know? which i didn't see um so uh well while we're on the subject of action movies one that's on my mind did you see two guns yet? i did see two guns i really liked it i did too <laughs> i didn't i went in I was not shocked. expecting to I like know. it the trailers and the poster are some of the worst marketing i've seen this year the trailer looks good to me oh really, really? I thought yeah the trailer was miserable and but well, the movie's I did, surprisingly I, I, I good tend to, I, I, I try to avoid trailers and so As i watched I. I watched the trailer today and uh it gives away a lot of stuff that i would not have wanted <laughs> i thought uh, given away and i haven't loved like what was the ryan reynolds safe house like that was I thought Safe House was unstoppable. Oh, okay. Was hated, unstoppable. So I haven't liked. I didn't, I didn't mind unstoppable. Oh, the train. Um, Safe House was a poor man's born identity, but it yeah. was still. But this I really liked. I would say this and uh, Book of Eli. I, he does a lot of R-rated stuff, which I hadn't realized until I started looking back at a lot it. of like, what R-rated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how R-rated Denzel was, but and I think Mark Wahlberg 
is so funny. Like he's such a funny actor in I'm, I'm everything fan, he yeah. does. His line readings are so weird. And I don't know if he, that's just him at this point or that's the notes he's getting. But like I go back to I Heart Huckabees, which basically no one saw. But he, his I line delivery in that is amazing. Yeah, like it's really, really funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, I always thought that he uh, like deserved an Oscar nomination for <laughs> I Heart Huckabees. And if the film had gotten a little bit more... Or that is to say, any, any yeah. press at all, aside from the 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 argument, the anger, yeah, um, about uh, between Lily Tomlin, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, then I think he he could have been, um, but yeah, he's at he's oddly enough he's at his best when people put him in. Even Dirk Diggler is kind of funny. Well, I think oh, his yeah. department that departed is hilarious. Yeah, like he steals the show. <laughs> like other guys, like he's supposed to be the straight man. Yeah, but. He's just funny. Like, he's inherently funny yeah. somehow. Yeah. And I thought he was and, good in The Fighter, but there's nothing much for him to do. Yeah. And, uh, Bale was the funny one in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get back to, to Two Guns, and, and the, but with the, the, the sense of humor thing, this guy, this director's last film, also with Mark Wahlberg, Contraband, was, was bad. And was just, like, dour and almost kind of it almost kind humorless. of humorless humorless yeah it was it. Yeah. it was not pleasant. <laughs> no. Um, you had women being buried in cement. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. Whoa. The only part that was you shouldn't see contraband anyway. I, I'm fine. <laughs> the only part that I that I enjoyed was the part in uh, and I can't remember what country they went to. Was it Dominican Republic or something? I don't remember. Uh, I, I mean, it was. it was out of Miami or no? Yeah. It was out of New Orleans. Okay, I can't remember where they went. But he had that, a nice sense of scale. I mean, yeah. that's the one. Thing. His shots were well composed at times. It was his story that was a nightmare. Yeah. But there's that there's that big firefight with Diego Luna and the like uh-huh. gangsters in whatever that country is that's completely batshit and like that was the only part I liked because it seemed like it's like tossed all the uh, all the dourness out the window which is like mm. fun for a second and that got two guns is just like this one had a much better fun. sense of pacing mm-hmm. you kept waiting for it to be terrible and it never was like I mean it's just a really watchable film in the same way that like True Romance was a little bit like yeah. not as good as True Romance but I, the only ding I give two guns is huge logic problems which you know you're gonna get in this kind of action crime film but i thought the logic problems that got him here they didn't have to make the choices they made it very easily you could write in two different lines and be fine and that's what kind of bothered me that's why i'd be at more like a b range as opposed to like true romance i love still right i've got a uh, okay uh i'm sorry a couple of things okay i guess i'm done with two guns okay i'm sorry you go you go ahead because it it took me so so by surprise that i've been my problem on tuesday and i've been i keep thinking about it was one of the governmental agencies used in two guns that was my problem but anyway go ahead the the navy one that's ridiculous that didn't make any sense uh yeah i don't know i guess that's from because it's based on a graphic novel maybe that's like the the navy doesn't do that and if it did it would be different people and they were actually all wearing seal stuff and they never mentioned that which was weird so anyway but uh the last thing i was going to say though is that two guns looks i feel like the movie looks more expensive than it probably was like they i don't i haven't seen a budget on that uh but i I just i got got the impression it was like this sort of mid-range i bet it's 67 or 70 i bet you know that oh that's 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 more than i would have would have guessed um because you got like good you got like the helicopter yeah. crash, and you've got that one explosion on the naval base that is way bigger an explosion than it <laughs> needed to be. Than yeah. it would than it would have logically been. You're like gonna blow up the whole building. Yeah. Anyway, people see two guns. It's fine. Yeah. No one will see it, but <laughs> it is. It is odd. It's it's a movie that I you just know is gonna come and go. Yep. Whereas put it at a different time of the year and Probably it would March. do great. Yeah. March would be the time. February, right? March, which is when yeah. Contraband came out in right. Early, yeah. And safe good. And, and yeah. safe house. And early. safe house also. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Book of Eli. Um, Book of Eli is underrated, too. But uh, what I was going to say is uh, 
to go back to uh, Contraband, having not seen the film, and I know I'm not the, pers- the, the first person to say this, but uh, I remember the marketing, you know, in Los Angeles, there's billboards mm-hmm. everywhere. And then it's just like, every time I drove by, it's just like, come see Mark Wahlberg scratch his back. That's what it it yeah. always looked like he was just... The poster is him... Get this here. <laughs> it's supposed to be him, like, lifting he, up his shirt to show he's got, like, a money belt or yeah. something on, but uh, it, just, it just looks like he's looks scratching like, his back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't not see it every time I saw it. And I was like, oh, he's got a money belt. That's probably what it is. It looks more like the other one. But right. um, that, and then this is a, a significant change in topic, but it's been on my mind, and I feel like, Laramie, you're someone to, to discuss this with. Um... So, I don't know how uh, how much of a, not necessarily a presence, I don't know how much time you spend online, I don't know what kind of stuff you uh, you watch, or you listen to, or you read, but, uh, so my job is such that I, uh, my eyes are occupied, and, and I'm clicking on things all the time uh, in Photoshop, and so I just need to keep my ears are, uh, occupied, so I'll just listen to any number of things, uh, and... Sooner or later, if you're a movie person, you enjoy the occasional uh, bit of comedy or whatever, <laughs> you will run across, uh, I think it's, I think it might be Screen Junkies, or no, no, sorry. Screen Junkies, I think, does Honest Trailers, which is one thing. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's one called like Cinema Sins, or Screen Sins, or I don't remember exactly. But they do something called Everything Wrong With Blank. Oh. Have you seen these? Some of them are really good. Some of them are really stretching and even the good ones after a certain point and it's a weird thing because have you, have you i seen think them? i have seen okay these, yeah the thing is this we all as you said like we all are apologists to a certain extent mm-hmm. uh and one of the things i think and and you just put this out there and i put it out there as well as i'm sure david does uh eventually you have to just go with it. You have to just say, well, of course, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. a movie. Yep. You know, you, you can put it, put that out there. And I'm somebody that really values realism in film as much as possible. But, um, nine, not nine times out of 10, like a good percentage of the time when you watch the everything wrong with blank, it's always, I'm being, it's hyperbolic. It's often, this isn't reality. This wouldn't happen in reality, and it's yeah, and more and which more, isn't totally I feel like, fair because reality is not in two-hour chunks. Exactly right, and just <laughs> and, and there's no music playing yeah, under and reality. Kate Beckinsale's never in my reality. <laughs> well, I think what I look for is internal truth within the reality. Right. That's when you break your own rules. That's when I get right. pissed. Whereas if you're just saying, "Hey, there are dragons," I'm like, well, "Okay, there's dragons. Like yeah. that's got to be so." But just don't tell me later on that the dragons never exist or something. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. obviously they don't do that stupid a move, but. Um, that's the reality that throws me the in- internal reality yeah. that's messed up. It's something that has bothered me more and more, and it does seem to be a specifically online type of thing where people oh, view, like yeah. people would say, "Oh, the, this movie is bad because of all these things that are wrong with it," and easily like fifty to sixty percent of the things they listed can be put down to it is a movie, yeah. and chances are it's a fantasy film. Yep. Where and and again, I'm. I don't want to use suspension of disbelief as a catch-all to dismiss everything that might not work because there are some things that are legit, like you said. If it's inconsistent in the world that they've created, then that's one thing. But the more I thought of like I, I listened to them, I would watch them, and they made me laugh, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, they really got that one. <laughs> but yeah. but as, time as, as time went on, I became 
I started to hate these things. <laughs> very strong, very strong word. Uh, Abhor. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and it seemed like this is not fair. It's not how anyone should go into a movie. Yeah, and it's so it's really easy to ding things. It's, I mean, and, right. and this is kind of the internet's function is to love to high heaven, to hate to the depths of hell, and yeah. nuance can go die, and no one who writes with nuance is going to make it, right? I mean, unfortunately, like, that's kind of what I've witnessed. If you're really crazily hyperbolic, like, have we got a place for you? You know? Like, yeah. But do you so, find, I feel like I've asked guests this before who write movie reviews, and you're writing movie reviews, and you feel about a movie somewhere that's in the middle that's tougher to write. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, bad. It, it, I find myself sometimes writing like if if a movie was like if I'm a little bit more on the didn't like it side, and I'll read my review after like oh this makes it sound like I really didn't like the movie. But once you put a grade on it, you're asking for people to compare your grades across time, and it's like well you gave this a blue, it's like it's not how it's just the first. See that's time. that's why at battleshippretension.com we don't use grades. <laughs> we just a, say a bunch of words, and at yeah. the end you won't really know where we sit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> perfect. And, and anything I can grade that would make people like want to check our site or make it you know make make them want to click on our reviews that doesn't that doesn't happen. We're not We're doing that. Like, We're not doing here's that. Here's 700 words. You decide how I feel about it. <laughs> the order of you ease. tell me. <laughs> that is actually is I wrote my and I joked with this on Twitter. My review of Only God Forgives. I saw the movie. I wrote a review. I still don't quite know if I like the movie or not. And so I kind of wish people would like read the review and tell me if they think I liked it or not, because I can't say for sure. The easiest thing to write is something you loathe. Oh, yeah. The middle ground is something you love, which is difficult because it's a certain vulnerability, and the things you love, other people don't love. And you love them because of your experience and your perspective, which, again, other people don't have. Like The main example I always go for this is like crazy. And it's because I've been in a long-distance relationship. People who have not been are like, this is kind of cheesy. I thought it was exactly, you know, for me, it caught that time and place really well, that vibe. But if you don't, if you're not there, then you're not going to like it, right? right? And then the middle ones are by far the most difficult. Like a B- minus to C- minus is all nuance, and people are going to be able to cheat either way. If they loved mm-hmm. it, they're going to hate you. If they hated it, you didn't go hard enough, you know, so... It, it, yeah, those aren't very fun, but that's the vast majority have to be that. Like, mm-hmm. this is the, if everything is good, nothing is good, right? So I use all ends of the spectrum, and my goal at the end of it is that the average movie is a two point a C. And so if someone's a C plus, that means it's a little above average. If it's an A, you get twenty of those a year out of a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. You get twenty Fs, twenty. I mean, that's it has to work that way. It has to be comparative like that, because otherwise everything's great. Which yeah, what was the last A review you wrote? Do you remember? I think I gave um, Wasteland an A, actually. I didn't see that. It's on demand only, I think. Okay. It's a British heist film, like kind of layer cakey. Um, I liked it. I thought it was, people didn't like it either. It was really gritty um, and it had some texture to it and some interesting characters. And yeah, I mean, I think I'm in the bag for those kind of films. Like, I love Snatch. Oh, um, yeah, yeah I, I like a lot of Guy Ritchie stuff. So I thought it was pretty good. And I think I gave that an A. What else recently would I give? I would have given Two Guns in the, the B range, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. Um, it's been sort of a tough year. Yeah, it hasn't. There's only been maybe, and admittedly, I haven't seen very many movies uh, this year, but I feel like there's been maybe three that I would give uh, an A to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got Before Midnight. Okay. Stoker. Okay. Uh, and then a movie I saw at LA Film Fest that I've talked about, a documentary called The Expedition to the End of the World, which is amazing. Those are probably my three A's of the year. I've got Room 237. Oh, that's good. And Monsters University. I didn't see it. And I yeah, I had a couple of problems with Monsters University. 
but well, I've by no means problems with though. you. That's so fair. it yeah. all works out. Oh, I do well, too. So we're well, on the same page. Hold fair on. enough. <laughs> Monsters. This will get us into the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which is scary movies. Yeah, you're yeah. not a fan. Or, no, or, is that the right way of saying it? That you're not a fan, or that no. just, like, you can't. I'm afraid of them. It's it goes deeper than not a fan. I will review them if I'm paid U.S. currency. Mm-hmm. So I do have that policy. I do try and avoid the 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 getting the assignment if I can. You know, mm-hmm. if I can not get it, I'll volunteer for other stuff way before. So I, I do see them, and I I want to point out it's not because I'm afraid because the regular movies that have drama make you afraid. It's the actual visual gore that stays with me okay. forever and gives so me something like hardcore a, nightmares. I didn't see The Conjuring, but some, that, something like that that's more that's that's more atmosphere. If than... it's just dread, like I've seen all the paranormals and they okay. don't necessarily bother me. It's really the hostels and the saws and the really like that stuff I can't undo. Like something that has to do with like the frailty of the human body. It's something like that. Yeah. And like it's not the violence bothers me because I don't mind action films, you know, but it's something about like torture porn you know that kind of thing that really sure. throws me yeah and i don't i don't like seeing that like so something like perhaps romero's day of the dead where there is a lot of like people being torn in half while they're alive um does that get to you or is it only like person on person i think that's that okay yeah it's weird because okay. like um what's the one with um do you know that one <laughs> no, uh richard richard rodriguez film um early Mexico, something. Yeah, just straight up violence or vampire gore or zombie gore. Oh, from Dust Till Dawn? There you go. Yeah. None of that really gets to me. It's okay. truly the the scary movie in the sense of little kids getting chopped up. Stuff like that. Like or the the kidnapping ones, like with the tourists, like no way. No chance mm-hmm. I'm seeing that. So I guess it's more realism and jigsaw puzzle stuff and like all that really freaks me out. Like it's very interesting. My uh, my co-host for my other show, Josh, he and I were talking about uh, horror movies, and uh, I, I tend not to like them. I I, I find them so stressful, mm-hmm. and I recognize that that's 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 a, an point. emotion, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But part of me is like, this is really like. I'm so tired by the end of a horror movie. But I always say, like, real life is scary enough. Like, why do I need to put this into my mind when, like, I've got I've got enough fears, you know, without this thing. And I'm a really visual person, for, you know, like, that's why I'm attracted to movies. Now, I'm not like a, you know, horror, like, uh, aficionado or anything, but I will, I'll defend watching horror movies, at least more of the, more of the scary ones okay. than, the, um, than, than the tortury ones. But, um... Because you say yeah, real life is scary enough, but like that shit, that shit in real life is scary and with real consequences. Whereas there's a, uh, I think a catharsis to being scared by a movie because you can come right up against it and then have that. It's, it's I have a physical reaction. I remember seeing um, uh, the orphanage and actually feeling like uh, it, it would be a really scary part, and then I would have this feeling almost of euphoria, uh, like uh, it's. Movies that are scary, like 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 the orphanage is scary, or even it, it, like I was talking about rounding movies up. Like there, if a movie has a few scary parts that really like creep me out, uh, like The Woman in Black, which is not a great movie all the way through, but had enough stuff that I was like, you know what, I would watch this again because uh, it it it's like a it's like a pleasure center, a, a basic thing of having an actual sort of uh, uh, physiological reaction that I feel is. I feel Helpful. like it stays with me. Like, and that's the reason I, like, I would remember that stuff forever. 
Yeah, I it it really like even stuff from when I was a kid. Like it it really sticks with me. I will say, I mean, I I still see horror movies. I still own a number of horror movies, and uh, I do find that the ones that are are the most effective are the ones that are effective in areas that one could say aren't specifically horror, like. When they create characters you care about, or it's just technically so proficient, like you and I, David, have often talked about the uh, the sound design in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. uh, and that stuff like that is, I mean, certainly in the moment, like it resonates, like this is terrifying, but later on, it's just like, oh, that's why it's terrifying. That's awesome. But in the moment, certainly, the more proficient it is technically. The less I'm thinking about that, and the more I more just genuinely terrified I am. But um, what I was going to say earlier is that uh, it's interesting the different types of things that resonate with people. Like with you, it's realistic person on person violence, and I'd say that's mostly what it is for me. But for me, it's specifically it can be person on person violence in the case of something like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. More specifically for me, it's anything that can go after you that cannot be reasoned with. And I think there's a little From bit of a the shark to Michael Myers. Yeah, a little bit of a um, predator prey thing. Yeah, like a I don't subjugation is not the word I'm looking for. But like if you watch something like I love Zodiac, but yeah. that's right on the line of things that freak me out. And like the hurdy gurdy song, like still freaks me out now. And like that idea <laughs> yeah. of like someone stalking someone else who doesn't have a fair shot at it, right? Yeah. The other one, and it's even worse than those, are animal things. Like if an animal gets hurt in a film that you've lost me completely if an animal gets hurt you say on purpose like if someone is cruel to animals in film that just i'm done with you like because animals even you know people have a chance you know what i mean like not a good chance if you're done with a steel or something but like you still have your intellect and you can reason like a dog doesn't know anything dog's Mm -hmm. basically an idiot and i love my dog a lot but so that's kind of stuff when they try to show someone's cruelty via his cruelty to animals that makes me mission accomplished that that reminds me of uh the movie the boondock saints which i hate for a number of reasons (laughs) yeah uh it's really terrible but the one thing that i always think of that i hate about it is the one like in they're in the apartment they accidentally shoot the cat and it like explodes against the wall and it's supposed to be like hilarious right yeah it really goes animals little kids women men that's the that's my hierarchy of things you can't be mean to what if it's an annoying kid Okay, but he's got it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, but like it's that idea of like, I was actually writing about this today um, for Film Drug about the Sixth Sense. The Misha Barton scene where they're poisoning her mm-hmm. still freaks me out. This little kid being fed poison by her mom is so dreadful and awful a theory to think about, you know, that her mom would poison her to get attention. Like, it's just a nightmare. Like, it's a living nightmare. You should I, not um, see the film, Michael. Really? Okay. I that will oh, get you. I didn't see that one. Um I haven't seen Sixth Sense in a while. I did not realize that was Misha Barton. Yeah. OC Misha Barton. And I never watched the OC. There's another shit. film Brad was telling me about that a dog gets shot in like the first five minutes of it. And it's relatively recent. It's in the last year or so. I apologize, but I'm like, nope, never seen that. He's like, the rest of the film's really good. I'm like, nope. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> oh, was it? He um, said it was off frame too. Even weirder. Was but, it Tyrannosaur? Might have been. Because I, I didn't see that. But that, that's his, that, that apparently has a dog getting not shot, but like kicked to death. Yeah. In like the It's opening. no good. But you're not supposed to like the guy, is my understanding. I didn't well, see sure. That. There's <laughs> is, better ways to convey that. Is the, do you find yourself, when you see, when even if you're paid to see mm-hmm. uh, a, a scary movie, do you find yourself getting, feeling depressed afterwards? Yeah, and I don't think any of this is fair, I should say. Like, people who love horror, and like, I don't claim this is a logical thing. Clearly, this is pure emotional, right, what right. I'm talking about. Like, visceral reaction. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... 
that catharsis doesn't happen for me. The negative stuff stays with me. And I think it's actually like that in real life, too. Like, again, as I was saying in Pacific Rim, 90 to 95% positive, the five negatives stay with me forever now. Like, uh-huh. those are the ones I remember <laughs> till the end of time. Like, and so it's just kind of my personality that I have to try and keep the negative things from sticking to me as much as possible. And, like, horror, in many cases, is that negative thing. So I, I think I could, to get back to the gore thing... Um because uh, I was thinking about it, I, I think what it is for me is that it, I, I can handle it if I feel like the 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 tone of the film is 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 right. Like I well, like Grindhouse is is silly. I, didn't, I actually never right? saw it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if it's okay, if it's silly, I can handle that. You know, I can I can handle like Shaun of the Dead is silly. Right? Um, like, yeah, I can handle that. Or if it's like hostile, I can handle it because I feel like it's taking it seriously. Yeah, and I can't. But that's the one. Yeah. The, but the one that I couldn't handle because I feel like it didn't it's not sure if it's supposed to be fun or not is uh, Piranha 3D when there's I saw that, that, actually. that massacre like that really like it goes on for a long fucking time it's like Saving Private Ryan long and, <laughs> which is what they were going for yeah it really is like, like that it's it's such a massacre and I was like I think I'm sick to my stomach like, I, s- I saw that and I think I was okay with it because I was with friends drinking beer and it was just like everyone was cracking out the movie the whole time so you never really got I that. do think that's the intention yes yeah. but you, you never it? got that yeah. I'm in the theater in the dark kind of feeling like so I saw both the Piranha films, and it was like, they're so stupid that it's like, I don't know. Did you have a problem with the Goran Piranha? Because I felt like I had PTSD when I, I don't, talked about the, the thing is, it was all The general so, stuff is like, what are we doing here? Like, it was all uh, so to cartoonish the, to me. That is that didn't, funny? Like, is that what the intent is? I don't know. The girl getting, uh, spoiler for Piranha 3D, <laughs> the girl getting scalped by the uh, the outboard motor. That I was the only one in the theater for that, by the way, because I'd missed the screening. Oh, no, they didn't have a screening, and I was assigned it. And I go, like, Friday at 10 a.m., whatever, not a soul in sight. <laughs> Have you ever been to me. a... Uh, uh, now, I don't know how many there are in, in Seattle, because there's, you know, multiple screenings for a lot of movies, like, smaller movies We here. get most of them. But I'm saying there's, like, multiple mm-hmm. multiple screenings for a single movie yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of times here. Yep. Um, so have you ever been to a press screening where you've been the only person... Uh, uh, it happened to me once went, last year for the comedy starring Tim Heidecker. I was the only person <laughs> in, the, in the print screening room. They were coming out with a uh, special DVD of The Godfather, and so they screened The Godfather Remastered or something, and me and Brad were the only ones at Cinerama. Nice. <laughs> which is, I mean, great. That's how it should be all the time, as far as I'm concerned. You know, have yeah. our feet up and yeah. enjoy The Godfather. But no, press screenings usually uh, go the opposite route when it's like, you know, Dark Nights, the press screen, it's like, who, where did the press come from that I've never seen? You know, I know the 15 press members in Seattle and all of a sudden it's up to 500, you know? Yeah. Um, so that gets a little strange. Uh, Whereas you guys are like, LA is like pure press. Like I've been to Arclight screens and stuff and it's all press and the general public gets 10 seats or whatever. Right, so right. for us, it's the inverse proportion. But I've heard, I, I love, I've stolen this, even though I give him credit, but Neil from Film School Rejects mm-hmm. calls those the Christmas, the Christmas and Easter critics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's it's, good. It's so perfect. Because anytime that's there's wonderful. like a Wes Anderson I, film, it happened from before midnight, uh, it's like suddenly there's all these oh, people. Oh, look at all my friends who are critics now. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I do have a, a story that I find uh, very funny and people might view it as racist. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> so when I went to see, oh, hell, what is that movie called? Oh, I know. Call on me. With, uh, it is, it, I'll say that it is, it was uh, based on the Steve Harvey book. Think like, Think like a, man. a Man. Think Like a Man. That's Thank a good you. movie. It's, I don't agree. But, um, <laughs> I didn't see Kevin that. Hart was good. Kevin Hart was great in it. Yeah. He really did something. And, and Romany Malco uh, did Entourage. pretty which one was Turtle? Oh, yeah. Turtle was good. The, all the actors do as good a job as possible. Um, make of that what you will. But uh, <laughs> when I went to see the the screening, 
it was because a lot of the screenings that we get are just are pure critics. Yeah. Like not a lot of audience when it comes to like the Avengers and I went to see Lemons or Rob and stuff. Um, but anyway, so I got invited to Think Like a Man and it was clear like, okay, there are critics and it's like an, uh, a, a sneak preview for audience members. So there's a long uh-huh. line. And as I walked by, I was like, okay, I am, I am the only white person. Here. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of neat. And so then I walk in and by the way, and I felt just in, I felt that instinctive guilt when all <laughs> these guilt. people yeah, yeah. have to check their cell phones, oh, but because I'm yeah, pressed, yeah. I don't, I stopped feeling that a long time ago. <laughs> I just, it, it just, it felt like, it felt like, hello, I'm the white person. They trust me. <laughs> um, like, it, like that's how I felt they might view me. Um, but anyway, so then I walk into, pardon me. Black folk. <laughs> um, I've actually told them I'm going to record it, and they don't care. Now, I, I've always wanted to go on with like a full camera crew. Like I don't know, I don't have a cell phone, but these guys are gonna, we're just going to up sound and lighting. Yeah. Uh, so I walk into the theater, and uh, and I was a little bit late, so the theater was pretty full, and it was it was clear where the critic section was, and it was right. It was all the best seats, of course, and it was right there in the middle because it was just. A whole bunch of black with a little space of white <laughs> right there. And I was just like, oh. and I, I apologize if that sounds racist. There was some, was just like, this feels weird. There's some, yeah, Amazon Kindle single there. There's, there's a story there that <laughs> something about the economy, something about, yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting about this is human nature. And I actually, I think I mentioned this in my book. So I apologize for telling the same stories to people. But the first thing people do when they come in the theater, and you guys don't get as many general public screens as we right. do. But the general public, so they, they rope off like 50 seats for press. The press are going to use 20 of them. So there's a lot of empty seats. And then the general public starts filling in everything else, right? But what the, the say the 300th person in the line comes in, looks and thinks, well, I'll just take this best seat in the house. Walks up to it, sees the sign, press. Rinse, repeat about 200 times per screening. Everyone's first instinct is, oh, well, no one took this middle center seat. I'll just have that one. I think it's just such a, a an indicator of human nature, like, you know, feeling positive, feeling the best. Like, these guys sitting in the front row are idiots. I'm just going to take this middle seat. Like, it's always, and I see it happen so often. And I see the click. And then when they see the sign, they're like, oh, you Do know, you this feel is the guilty? No, I, I, I don't feel guilty because you should know, having been to any movie in the world that middle center fills up first right like you <laughs> right, should have some yeah. prior knowledge of how people sit so i don't feel guilty about that i've i have felt guilty when i've gotten there late and they've had to remove people from a seat oh. that i feel oh. awful about yeah because you're like sitting there like you leave and i'm like <laughs> but i like have to review it like i have a side it's my job yeah. i i felt that's only happened like two or three times but i feel awful every time that happens so i try and get there like an hour early i'm so ocd about it you're, just, you're but, like i'm sorry you have to leave hello but you'll have to exp- you have to understand i'm being paid i'm to the be man here. <laughs> <laughs> i'm now going to infringe upon your rights yeah, yeah. i'm sorry i have to leave but you can read my review at <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the general public should feel way more guilty about how they treat me than i should how i should feel about treating them because just the level of cell phone you know buzzing talking just general people not being courteous in, oh, yeah. out in the real world and actually the worst audiences in the world and i don't know if this is still true because i haven't been in three years but sundance audiences used to be the worst in the world really? i've heard that they're that it's pretty terrible because some they mix press and industry yeah because they're all industry, industry people hates movies yeah. <laughs> yeah as it turns out yeah they realize oh i'm not gonna buy this in the first three minutes i better go call harvey and yeah. they're in the theater on the phone and you're like Really? Like this is Sundance. Like this is the thing. You yeah. know, this is a big oh, deal. That's annoying. If you did that at Cannes, they would actually probably beat you to death, which I appreciate. So. I keep every every story I hear about uh, Sundance. I find myself thinking, 
when's this thing going to implode? <laughs> like, it's going to eventually. It's getting so big, and it is so different than what it than how it started mm. that it's just like it's just a matter of time before everyone just decides oh we're done with this i wrote a rather scathing article about this because sundance is known as this place that's going to break new directors that's kind of their thing they throw out a hundred films maybe two directors are worthy in there it's all white people problems just a hundred percent you know very sad movies in january with the snow outside but the thing they're doing lately over the last five ten years is every one of those films has a name actor in it these are not independent films so right. much as they're films that weren't picked up by a studio yet. You know, yeah. like, and so it's like you go in the movie and Colin Hanks is in it, and you're like, is this really a production that was bootstrapping and hurting? You know, like they may have taken scale on that, but these are people who are of means, and it's not truly quote unquote independent. Like these aren't guys like working from their basement. Like these are real crews, key grips. You know, they they have food on set kind of thing. So that I think they've kind of lost their way in that sense. Like once you know Amy Adams is in every film or something, or Zach, like I think you've kind of lost what you're trying to do. You know? Although I, I know a, I know a number of you know filmmakers who are still very you know still very young and fairly well getting into some experience and stuff I mean, it is yeah. and it's and it's a weird thing like this is because I do what I do and I have no desire to be a part of the industry uh, I view it as a I view it from a different perspective so like I have a friend who's I I had a friend who's like oh I just I wish like I want to try to submit my film to Sundance and I hope it gets in and my response is oh why <laughs> yeah. and then I was like oh right for him it's a really exciting get distribution thing. yeah but it's there's way more ways to go around it now mm-hmm. like 10 years ago you couldn't go around it now you've got there's a million shot, film festivals right yeah well and Sundance is very restrictive about what you can't like you can't have had it online first you can't mm-hmm. have sold it in any manner okay. you know it's you got to have it in by this time you have a one in 10,000 chance enjoy yourself so I Sundance isn't so much about the the movies as can or Toronto, in my opinion, Toronto is all like Oscar movies. So, I mean, there's clearly a corporate commercial angle, Yeah, but can is a testament to directors, like a hundred percent directors, you know, even if the movie's bad this time, still about the directors. So mm-hmm. it's a better fest. Uh, I, um, LA film fest was the first, this year was the first time I've ever actually like covered a film festival. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't obviously didn't have That's to a travel, yep. uh, but it was, um, uh, it was a great experience because um, they had some of the like the Sundance type like Fruitvale Station was there mm. which I didn't see uh, Anthem Body Saints was there which I did and didn't like um, but it was a lot of stuff that I don't know if I'll ever get like, a chance that anyone would ever get a, like uh, a movie that's probably still in my top five uh, ten if not five of the year uh, was a film called My Sister's Quinceanera which was like 72, 72 minutes long and will unfortunately probably never come never out. be it's seen got, again it's got yeah. no name actors in it uh, at all and uh that's frustrating but i'm also i'm uh i'm really up on the la film fest like i'm gonna go every year now because you can find like, gems i mean mm-hmm. weirdly seattle film fest has 400 films each year so there's like they from everywhere like their whole claim to fame is the biggest film festival ever but it's over a month so it's not so oh, much wow. big as it is just overwhelming so you can still find cool stuff like uh lynn shelton lives in seattle so some of her stuff's cool but you're more than likely to see a bad foreign film <laughs> like is your, your chances uh-huh. are like if you threw a dartboard um but film festivals you can find gems there again as you said never heard from again which sucks but yeah at least yeah. you know about them yeah well i never got to ask you uh well we still have time yeah I'm here. so i'm not going anywhere are you from seattle no i'm originally from florida born in florida um lived all around the south including florida uh went to florida state and moved to seattle in 2000 somewhere in there maybe i've lived there i think a dozen years so seattle is actually the place i've lived the longest weirdly okay let me ask based you this on a 
disparate childhood. Growing up in the in in the Sunshine State, <laughs> yeah, that, and yeah. moving to the Pacific Very Northwest, nice pull. yeah, on uh, purpose. Oh, I, I know all the quite on the purpose. Yeah. So moving to the Pacific Northwest, did you have any sort of like seasonal affective disorder type problems? Did it did it did it bum you out? Where did my problems start? No, uh, I think I already <laughs> did you had get those. Sad in, being, I think I was already had those in Florida. No, the Florida. It's way too hot. It's way too hot to live in Florida. Like I still have siblings there. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Like it's way too hot. Like <laughs> you go to your car and like the leather burns you, and like it's just a nightmare. Whereas <laughs> what part of Florida? Uh, Boca. Okay. So, yeah, Boca Raton, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. You're just going north from Miami at that point. So anywhere you know in there. Because Miami's like gonna gonna fall into the water. Like well, I thought that was L.A. It might. No, well, L.A. is there's the earthquake. Thing, oh, but you mean from global but, warming? Yes, from oh, like yeah. Miami is. Yeah, yeah, and and underwater, um, and also in more ways uh, unlike more. a lot of cities that aren't on the coast, Miami is a city where the the most expensive property is the closest to sea level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, usually you get like the most expensive properties up on hills and stuff like it is here or whatever. But we also have Malibu. Anyway, well, the keys the are all built on but, stilts, uh, <laughs> so they're fine. Like, yeah, they're like concrete stilts. Yeah. So when the hurricanes come, they're fine. Like most people in Florida don't really care about hurricanes because they everything just flows off. Like New Orleans built a big wall and then it flooded right so they were doomed but florida i mean i've been through a bunch of hurricanes in my life and it's just like oh you get a couple days off school nice and it's like <laughs> your house is built to code it's basically okay right because nothing's gonna flood to that level and stay it's the stain that's the problem with flooding not the flooding so but florida is a really really weird place because there's so many different cultures there and slate's been doing an article on this like the last two weeks like why is florida so strange and it's because you have this confluence of cultures where up north, Tallahassee, Jacksonville is the south. I mean, it mm-hmm. might as well be Georgia. You know, it's it's not where whereas where I come from is like little New York City. Like Boca is something like fifty percent Jewish and fifty percent New York transplants. Like mm-hmm. it's a very East Coast city, you know. And then you've got all the Hispanic cultures. You know, you got Cuban, Dominican, Puerto Rican. You've got a lot of that going on down there. And then you have like the original Florida people who are like not Hicks, but somewhere in there, you know, somewhere in that region. And so you have all these cultures coming together in this huge place that fries their brains with heat uh-huh. and they have swamps. And so it's just, it's really diverse as a, as a state, which I think is why so much weird stuff happens there. And yeah, you've got alligators and crocodiles living together. You've got all kinds is, of weird stuff going on. You've got the pythons like and the, the panthers. Yeah. <laughs> where alligators and crocodiles coexist and Everglades is one of them. You've got dolphins and killer whales. Now, uh, <laughs> so my family did a lot of fishing growing up, but was there, a, I'm sorry that I, deviate from your original question just where, where are you from oh and so then, why then, i moved here i moved oh, yeah, yeah. because i didn't like the heat actually i like cold weather not snow but colder weather i like rain quite a bit and like when i was living in florida it was like the nirvana pearl jam you know seattle time and uh-huh. i was like i gotta make it to seattle and i've made it you know so i always kind of wanted to live in seattle and i actually i kept telling my parents like i'll just move to anchorage like anywhere far enough from florida i can go i'll keep going like if you harass me uh-huh. <laughs> so anchorage is not contiguous so i'm like okay i'm safe in seattle for a while but if you come any closer i'm going up to anchorage uh but so seattle culture is to me like really exceptional comparatively like florida doesn't have a culture in my opinion at least south florida doesn't um it's just people trying to get over it's it feels like to me and la sometimes feels like that to me as well but seattle has a very strong educated populace that I, I really enjoy and so i can deal with the four hour days come uh january but we get like 14 16 hour days like in the summer so it, it evens out but it's a very bipolar place yes <laughs> uh people often ask uh <clears throat> like because we lived in chicago mm-hmm. which chicago. of course could get incredibly cold yes and yeah. uh and people say 
like there there was there was and there might still be the possibility of of my wife and I going to Chicago uh in early December this year. And that idea was so exciting to both of us that people were just like it's December. It's like yes, exactly. It's freezing. I love it. I can't wait. It do just, you do you still have enough warm weather, warm weather clothes? That would be my problem. Now. He's like, worried I, about you. I couldn't go to Chicago for a week now. Like I don't have enough warm clothes. Yeah, do, I, I have, have them to... and wear them as often as I can here. You know what the cold <laughs> does, and this is what Seattle does. When you have bad weather, it encourages people to stay inside, Damn which right. puts either a stress or a great you know boon to your personal relationships inside, right? So if you have a happy home life. Seattle's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you just cocoon up, right? And Chicago, the same thing. If it's a million feet of snow outside, but you're happy inside, life's great. Like, what do you need? Whereas Florida, you never have bad weather. In LA, you never have bad weather. So it's kind of like we can always be outside doing something better than we're currently doing. Like, I feel like that's kind of <laughs> like the, you know, and we're never going to be put upon by weather. So I can go out and find somebody better than you as well. Yeah. Like, And there's that, that kind of attitude. Hurricanes are the rare exception to that. But I think shared suffering is a big culture builder. Like... Hmm. You know, and I think you see that in the cities. Uh, one of the other things I loved about the super cold weather in, in Chicago is, well, okay, being in Florida, you know this feeling of like it's super crazy hot outside, <laughs> and then finally you step inside to a place that's like air yeah, yeah, that's everybody. it's a great yeah. feeling. Yeah, the fe- the opposite of that is ten times better when you're walking around and it's. 11 degrees with a negative 15 wind chill wind chill you're walking all the way from the train and if and you I come heat. into your your heated apartment <laughs> yeah. and like take off your it coat. feels like it's the greatest feeling in the world it feels like any anytime you're stepping inside it feels like you're you you're home mm-hmm. even if you're going inside a target you're just like oh but and and for me this is uh very vain uh but uh I look good in winter clothes. <laughs> like it's just, sure, it's yeah. one, I look better. Like you put me in like I don't have a beach body. I give you right, yeah. You put me in in t shirt and shorts, and it's just like ugh. <laughs> like I'm not a I'm not a beached whale or anything. Well, but, with your beard, yeah, you're a you're a cold weather guy. And I don't I don't always have this, sure. but uh, but that's the thing is uh, you put me in some nice gloves, mm-hmm. scarf. You look good. Button up flannel, you're which I often it. wear anyway. Uh, and then like my nice overcoat. And just, like, I've seen photos of me in Chicago, and I'm like, damn. I'm debonair. That is a dapper son of a bitch. <laughs> and it's just, and I never get to wear my, I never get to wear my, uh, I can wear gloves here, but uh, it always looks like you're trying too hard. Trying a it? little bit too hard, and so anytime well, you I. You gotta do what's what that? you won't do because of your sleeping schedule, but in Burn the winter. Burn your hands. No, it's not. <laughs> in the winter, if you wake up as early as I do here mm-hmm. then you get to put on some co- some gloves and a scarf and stuff i go out sometimes at like 1 a.m i'm talking about you wake up at at 5 36 o'clock in the morning well, it's down to like 50 degrees or something uh it it, it has gotten say, down to like 35 it, yeah it gets, it, in the valley it does get it, it does get down to the end of the 30s uh, yeah. that right. uh, i mean obviously i know from being from st louis and living in chicago i know that that's not that cold <laughs> actually cold uh, okay but and, it is cold to me and i know i've said this on the show before but it's worth repeating um, no offense to anybody listening in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Dave, I met Dave a few weeks ago. Dave, sorry, buddy. Uh, but uh, it's one of those. Thirty-five is cold, mm, but it's doable. I'm just saying that is cold. Being outside. How about, how about this? If you're in uh, jeans and let's say a just a just a flannel, just a just a shirt and a t-shirt underneath, and you go outside in thirty-five degrees, you're going to be cold. Mm-hmm. All right, so thirty-five is cold. 
Now, 10 <laughs> or zero mm. or negative whatever, that is bullshit. <laughs> that's dead cool. Okay? Yeah. And that's the thing is people like – Specifically, because my wife's from Minnesota, so like I get Minnesota people who are like, "Oh, this isn't cold." It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> Negative, whatever, but is pe- stupid. But you should people, move away. People acclimate. Like I, I was just talking about, about uh. how cold I lived in Chicago, but after after less than a year in Los Angeles, I acclimated, and uh, now thirty degrees is a lot colder than it would have been for me when I was in Chicago. That's fine, but that's the, that's because Sundance, thirty degrees is cold. Sunday, it's Film not life threatening. Is the zero? Yeah, and. Your boots fill with snow, and you're like, "What am I? What my life choices out, have been so bad to get to here?" Like you're you actually out walking hate around life. a lot. Too, yeah, because right? that's the thing when you talk about Minneapolis, like you almost or, cry. Or, it's so cold. Like or, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's like hitting a wall. You know, <laughs> it's like um, a Minnesota, wall. like Minneapolis and St. Paul are not. Um, obviously, they have commuters, but they're not commuter cities the way that Chicago is. So it might be right. colder there, but the average Chicagoan is spending more time in the cold than. Uh, Minneapolis site Minneapolis citizens <laughs> I love Chicago my sister-in-law and my one of my best friends are in Chicago and I'm going to Chicago next week so I'll and be also, there tell them uh, we say hi I Hello. love Minneapolis I've never been there but Prince I, I've been there. to Minneapolis and St. Paul beautiful twin cities yeah, it's I, a great place, and I'm not saying it's not a great a place. Cold. I'm just saying stop being an asshole when I say it's thirty deg- that thirty degrees is cold. Thirty degrees is categorically cold. It's zero is right? ridiculous. And if you live in zero degree weather, you you're move. wrong. All right, if you live in Buffalo, you're, uh, maybe even morally wrong to live in that and then act like I'm some kind but of. Think about. Do you ever think about the Little House on the Prairie people? Like they lived, yeah. in, they lived in Minnesota yeah. before we had all the, the stuff. Like you know, yeah. I, the opposite is kind of wrong too, though. Like I was in Las Vegas last weekend, where it's like 120 degrees, mm. and this city's been built from nothing. It should not exist. It's in the desert. <laughs> yeah. You're just pouring resources into it, right? So people can scout people off a of gambling. Yeah, but it's built like, a whole dam. Yeah, that I think that's morally wrong too. Like <laughs> it's too hot to live there. You should move. There's never no, any I, rain. It's a desert. Nothing lives here. You can't get to live here. You know, like L.A. At least there's an ocean you know there's a yeah. reason to live here it makes sense i have this other i have this other thing about weather as well specifically when it's really hot because all winter long my dumb surfer friends uh are just like like oh i can't wait for the summer and part of me's like no this is the best because it's never going to get zero it'll get down to 35 which is cold enough certainly um and just like and this is wonderful because <laughs> When it get you know when the sun comes out, it could get up to sixty five or seventy, and that's great too. It's a wonderful time that's in Los Angeles. Weather, it's know. exactly it's crisp. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. But then but they're I just don't like, like the rain though. I know you said you do. I don't. I like, like the rain. rain. There's yeah. not that much rain. Seattle doesn't rain though. It drizzles forever. Like Florida rains. Like well, th- seek shelter rain. You say there's not, but here's the th- here's my experience of living in Southern California is that it doesn't rain for eleven months and then it rains for all of February. Okay, which all right, <laughs> fair enough. Really but that's one month. And that's, it gets really hot here, though, right? In the it gets summer, really hot, like, and that's the ridiculously thing. Ridiculously hot. So then, my friends in the winter, and they say they can't wait for summer, <laughs> and then summer comes, like it's too hot. It's like no, no, no. I get to say it's too hot because I'm the one that loves winter. You've been waiting for this and you knew how hot it was going to be. And all winter long, you said you couldn't wait for this. Live with it. You're like the grasshopper in the end somehow. <laughs> <laughs> like from a bug's life? Uh, no, the, from the parable. Um, that's that's what I'm talking about. Oh. Bug's life, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking it's, about. It's like a parable. Scorpion okay. on the toad? 
That's the no, one. That's a different one. Yeah. <laughs> the grasshopper man is the thing. From a bug's life. That's um, okay. okay. I haven't seen a bug's life in like a billion years. I'm specifically, there are grasshoppers and ants. <laughs> that's the only that's thing in common with what <laughs> okay. you're saying. But there is a thing about the grasshopper and the ant about uh, like um, the ant works all winter or whatever mm. and saves And the grasshopper's like, like, fa la la. Yeah. And the grasshopper like dies or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think in nicer versions of the story, he gets like saved by the, like the ant like shares his food or whatever. Oh, all right. And but in my version, he dies just like Scorpio the Toad. Yeah. Uh, that went, I'm sorry about that whole tangent with weather. I just really like Seattle. Not at all. That's all right. You clearly, I have, you know, clearly I have opinions. No, it was strong. It was strong. So, movies. Were you always True. a fan? Did you go no. to college for, for movies? You know, Florida State does have a pretty prodigious uh, I, film I know school. This, yes. you, might, you might have known Burt Reynolds went to oh, there. You know, the Burt sure. Reynolds Theater. No, Gator. That's White very lighten. sad. That's very sad that Stick. I bring that up. Uh, no, political science. So just, I, I was always a writer, actually. Mm-hmm. That's And um, movies I loved. I saw a lot of movies. I'd see about 60 movies a year on my own. Um, but I didn't start writing about them until like high school-ish. But I always had written. So I wrote books or short stories or screenplays or you know whatever i could write i was writing and movies are a thing they paid me to write about and i i do love movies i love music i love books like i love mm-hmm. all pop culture basically um so but I, i'll write about whatever you give me to write about pretty much so how did you get into the writing about movies business so weirdly um me and my friends would write movie reviews to each other like over email, which is as insane as it sounds. But I had like a pretty good body of work from that. Like, you know, I could write a couple thousand words on a movie, no problem. You know, yeah. just crack it off. And so I would go to a lot of screenings as well because I was a member of Seattle International Film Festival and um, I wanted to see stuff before people and I just like seeing movies. So I went to a screening and a guy was there which was Brad talking about his website to somebody. And I went up to him like, Hey, can I grab your card? Cause I want to send you some pitches or whatever. And he's like, sure. So I sent him uh, actually a review about the notebook that was 4,000 words long. He's like, <laughs> okay, this is way too long, but can you write shorter than this? And I'm like, yeah. So I started writing for him and kind of building up a portfolio. And then I applied for a job off Craigslist to blog about reality TV. And I'm like, uh-huh. sure, I'll blog about anything. And they also in that meeting said, we own a URL called film.com that we're thinking about relaunching. Uh-huh. Do you think you could do that since you have all this film writing experience? And I'm like, I think I could do that. Yeah, it doesn't sound too crazy because knowing a URL like film.com, a chimp could do that. Yeah. So I uh, did that, relaunched that site in 2000, early 2007, ran that for quite a while, hired and fired very good writers. Um, but yeah, so it was all kind of like from, I was already writing. I'd actually signed a screenplay deal um, prior to all this. So I was writing movies before I was writing about movies, mm-hmm. but it never really, nothing came of it, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've always written and like the movies thing, eventually they started paying me for once I had a big enough cat- catalog of things I'd written. So It sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the most stable profession though. I will tell you that. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I This actually, uh, at Comic-Con this year, do you, you, do you ever go to Comic Con? I've been. I went to Comic Con three years in a row, okay. and the year I got up at three thirty a.m. to cover Avatar and Twilight, I looked in the mirror, you know, and splashed my face and did that whole scene and like the slow song played in the background, like "What are you doing with your life?" And I never went back. Like that was the last and time I went. From what I hear, covering it is <sighs> covering Comic Con is much worse than merely, merely attending. Yeah, I would say attending is probably fun. This yeah. gets exactly to the heart of what I was about to say because this conversation came up, came up a number of times that like, uh, yeah, we are mostly amateur you could say semi-professional film critics because we do get some a little bit of scratch here and there so maybe technically we're semi-professional and 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 i often think like 
this is what you know this is what I want to do. I want to write movie, rev- movie reviews <laughs> yeah. for a living. But do um, you? Yeah. But yeah, a I like my job. Like my day job is a job that's a career type job with room for advancement. It's uh, enjoyable. It is related to movies. Uh, I don't say on the podcast what I do. Um, but uh, it's a stripper. We know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy it. I have you know benefits. I'm salaried. Like I have all this stuff that's really comfortable and 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 when it comes to things like comic-con like Uh where i did get up early this year because i wanted to when Uh i I wanted to see stuff but if i didn't like i have done in years past if i just wanted if i'd had a few drinks the night before i wanted to sleep in wanted to skip the big panel i can do it whereas well there's a i wouldn't be able to enjoy there's a couple uh, of i think there's like three different questions in there the one is because people always say well like how do i personally get paid for doing this and what i always tell at least younger people is you're not going to get paid for writing movie reviews alone or you're gonna get paid but not enough to have a living wage like that can't be your only job like you're gonna have to manage people you're gonna have to edit you're gonna have to do something else to justify a salary and benefits and all that stuff right so that's first because like they're not really handing out newspaper jobs anymore and i don't know that you should take one even if you're offered one at this (laughs) point like it's not long for this world so that's the first thing the professionalism versus um uh enthusiasm argument i've had like over and over and over like do you lose your enthusiasm as you become professional probably um but hopefully you gain experience which allows you to communicate better maybe and you are exposed to more things you can expose others to more things hopefully um and then what was the third thing i wanted to bring up in there um, oh, the job part of the job. Like, yeah, like get people always say, well, how can I write about movies? But they don't say, how can I write about movie 43? Right. They <laughs> right. don't say, like, how can I go see Smurfs 2 at 9 a.m. with a bunch of little kids? Because it <laughs> needs to be in by like one. Right. Like no one says that. They'd all like to write about Pacific Rim. Sure. But no one wants to do the awful part of the job job. And that but that, that is the deal. Like if you want to write about the thing, you got to write out the whole spectrum of the thing. And you're mm-hmm. going to have to have parts that suck about it because that's the job part of the job. Now, I still love it. Like I wouldn't give it up for anything. Yeah, that still but... sounds pretty pretty wonderful to, <laughs> to, to me. Yeah. I, I do that. I don't have to. I get invited to screenings and I take screenings all the time for movies that I don't want to see and I know no one else who... Uh, volunteers that work for our website want to see. I go to a lot yeah. of those, so I I, I put that That's, part. Yeah, in. yeah, you and I will sometimes, and everybody. It's everyone who writes for us at some point, but you and I will sometimes be like, "All right, we're in charge." So you know what? From time to time, we have to take the hit, uh-huh. and we will see. And I will go see. Struck by lightning, or uh, oh, the one hell. for me is, uh, and now I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was the uh, the body swapping movie with uh, with uh, J- uh, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. The switch was it called the switch or I the change so. up? Oh, maybe the cha- change. No, the switch was the other Jason Bateman movie where he switched his sperm. Oh, okay, the change up. Yeah, the change so that's, up. That's Olivia the one Wilde, for me that was right? like, yeah, that oh. was. Oh man, I, I it wasn't great, was it? I feel like I've gotten some karma points for sitting through that movie. But I do think a lot of people who ask the question, like, "How can I do that?" Don't think of the other part of it, like, "Is well, you're going to work, you know, quite quite hard at times, mm-hmm. and you're going to like I like I like interviewing people quite a bit, but sometimes that's stupid, you know, and sometimes it's pure marketing. And the people who I really because I don't run film.com anymore. The people like I legitimately hurt for sometimes are the people having to run the posters and trailers. And like, it's like, that's gotta be demoralizing on some level because it's not interesting after a certain point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of our, I mean, I get it. Like one of our, at this point, occasional contributors, uh, Kyle Anderson, who writes and gets paid to write for, uh, the Nerdist. Um, he does a lot of stuff where he's just writing up, whatever publicity Daily, thing yep. and he tries to make it as interesting and creative <laughs> yeah. and have his own voice as possible how do i not just... just copy and paste this press release uh, right yeah. yeah well and that's actually where podcasting kind of 
thrills me because a lot of the even if you work really hard right now you're going to get paid per piece probably unless you're running the entire site in mm-hmm. which case you're going to have to make some bad choices about how to get clicks right because the incentives are all screwed up on the internet right now whereas with podcasting you can say this thing has value right this form you know i can go work out to this i can go on a trip with this i can like we get all kinds of things people do as they're listening to our podcast which I think provide value. You know, it's entertainment. Like you said, you just listen to stuff in your ears. Like it's, it's entertainment. You'll be happy to know I was working out the other day, listening to your podcast. There you go. Very nice. I do that (laughs) as well. So, but unlike an article that says they've cast the next Batman, which is kind of interesting for like a second. No, the, a podcast can be interesting over courses of days. And I think, I think there's value in the content. I think we're starting to see people who provide content, get monetization for that. As you guys are, you know, on the very, you know, first steps of doing as well. But I, I think that's kind of a brighter future for people to do both, you know, to, to have an all-inclusive kind of media presence, as it were. Yeah. You, know? there, and also, there... you mentioned the interview thing. It <coughs> means uh, we could theoretically do interviews, and we do mm-hmm. interviews, obviously, without having to transcribe them afterwards. Oh, the trans- yeah. yeah, the transcribe's <laughs> a nightmare. Like, what a nightmare, yeah. I've had to do that in the past for, uh, for other uh, businesses and stuff, and it is so... It is astounding astounding how because it was an interview i was transcribing an interview with stan lee Uh and he was saying really interesting things and i just wanted to keep listening but it's like oh hang on he said eight words okay hang on yeah yeah and then i just totally lost you know what you should try what i used to do for a little oh yeah closed captioning yeah it took me it took me two eight-hour shifts to watch witless protection Oh, <laughs> so it, like I li- I'm not saying I watched it a bunch of times over 16 hours. I watched that one movie for 16 hours because <laughs> I, uh, that's how long it took me to close caption. What it. circle of hell would that be? That, that, <laughs> that is... one, yeah, that one. And um, what was the uh, not Good Luck Chuck? What was the other Dane Cook movie? Oh, My Best Friend's Girl. Those sure. are the two worst things that I had to <laughs> had to caption. And they but both think, took me like two shifts. Think how many deaf people were happy with your work. <laughs> Oh yeah, but but they probably weren't because they had to watch yeah, my true. best friend's girl probably with their eyes. Those really are. It's like, weird. Every every like five minutes, the the caption would just be, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> I'm so- yeah. Run, run help, for your life. Help me, please kill me. <laughs> Those movies are really, they're really terrible. Like to the point where I feel like I can't get it. Like I, I talk, you can't convey it because you can't convey two hours of terribleness <laughs> in one yeah. sentence. Yeah. Like I talk about how much I hated, the, didn't like the the change up. But uh, you should see movie forty three. I don't know if I could. You really need to. I feel like I... It's the worst thing ever. But it, I watched Witless Protection for 16 hours. I feel like I've done my time. There was a terrible film called uh, Immigration Tango, Ooh. which... That's one of the I, first press screenings you ever went to, right? I believe it was maybe the third I went to, the first being Season, Season of the Witch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Going big. Yeah. <laughs> my first, go home, that's what I say. My first press screening ever was... Um, because it was only a couple of years ago. Obviously, we started on the same time doing this. Uh, no Strings Attached was what it was called with uh, Ashton Kutcher I didn't, and Natalie Portman. I didn't. No, that wasn't very good. Yeah, I, I didn't despise it. Mine I think was I, Monster-in-Law with J-Lo. Ooh. Yeah, you've been yeah. going for winner. Yeah, it was... Uh, the, thing about Im- the thing about Immigration you Tango, which was my least favorite movie of that year, um, <laughs> as, and I mentioned Struck by Lightning, which was my least favorite movie of last year, but um, Immigration Tango, I, I kept looking for like i never wrote a review of it and i kept looking for when is it going to be released <laughs> and, it, and it was never released it just showed up on netflix one day and i was like oh 
Okay. Should I write this? Where am I? Yeah. That happens way more than people think. Like you get sent or you do an interview or you see a film on demand and then it just like disappears. Like the publicist disappears. <laughs> like there's no like follow up. You're like, what do I do with this? It like, was do clearly I a this? front for some kind of mob <laughs> thing. <laughs> like what happened? The one well, thing. I, I, I've talked about the movie I saw last year um, that was, that also never came out here, but is the opposite. It was a really great movie. Right. It being like my number two movie of the year. <laughs> Is a Russian film called White Tiger mm-hmm. about a um, it's about a uh, it's a World War Two movie where the Germans have this like phantom ghost tank that is like showing up behind their lines and destroying hmm. all their tanks. That's it's an amazing cool. movie. Yeah. that never never got released in the U.S. I try and get people to see the Golden Door Nuevo Mundo, which is an Italian film, which is really really good. No one ever saw it. I don't even think it was released here, but it was one of the more striking films I've seen in the decade. The thing people don't realize about this business, and I don't, I'm not even sure if you guys, this might be new to you. Watch out. Okay. The economics are really strange from owner-operator to corporate interests, and I know because I've been on both sides of this. The, the Yahoos and the Entertainment Weeklies and the bigger, bigger sites, the money they're pulling down is not commensurate to what they're paying out, right? Uh-huh. And it's because you can't justify per click this article. Like it's hard to quantify mm-hmm. the power of something like Yahoo Entertainment, right? But then on the owner operator side, they don't understand the ad rates well enough to be able to leverage the stuff they're doing, or they're in an ad network that doesn't quite understand. So on this level, you have sites making millions and millions of dollars, people getting very little HuffPo, right? Is a mm-hmm. classic example of this. And on this side, you have people making some money, like some people owner operators are making a living wage off it, but are not aware of the millions of dollars over here. So again, at some point, much like with Kickstarter, much mm-hmm. like there's going to be this middle synergy that's going to allow owner-operator individual artists to get way ahead, I think, at some point. Like Macklemore is I think the three of us should come up with it. I'm ready. Like Macklemore is a pretty good example of that lately in the, on the Seattle rapper Macklemore. I'm sure, yeah, you've heard, sure. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. everywhere now. But 10 years ago, he was nowhere. And he, a label wanted to sign him, and he did the math and realized he'd get like 12%. And was like, mm-hmm. well, no, I'll just suffer like it's fine and now he owns his entire catalog he hired warner brothers to market for him hired them that's it they uh-huh. get you know 20 percent or whatever but he's keeping a vast majority of his you know earnings and royalties which is good for him kind of I like that guy's music yeah he's a little overplayed now but back in the day he was I'm, yeah yeah i i yeah i, I don't listen to yeah i was gonna say something snobby no. i'm sure it's just a matter of time before somebody hears the shop talk of the last 10 minutes and say, I want to pay for that. Exactly. I want to give them money so that I can hear them talk about uh, f- writing for movies for websites. <laughs> it just astounds me. I feel, like, I feel like we're shooting ourselves in the foot no, here. There are, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna, we're not going to edit it out. Dozens. Wait, which part? I don't think I understand the complaint. <clears throat> That, that we were a little too shop talky, a little too inside baseball. Oh, was that inside? Just the, uh, but I'm saying I was are, trying to give hope to young writers out there. Is what I was trying fair to say. Fair enough. Like, yeah, uh, you know what? Let's play it like that. There well are done. dozens <laughs> of people getting paid to do because I get satellite radio shows mm-hmm. that are worse than this, <laughs> or, or like more. Not that this is bad. This is obviously amazing. But you're more on. Niche what episode are we on here? Three thirty-three. I mean, but that's just tenacity. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. We, as, we, as I've said we just before, stopped. That's podcast can oh podcast cannot get canceled. Scoreboard it counts, and so it's just that we don't know when to quit. Three hundred and thirty-three episodes of at least an hour each. You're talking about like probably twenty-five days of your life. So you sat talking to each other straight through without sleeping. Well, which is why think if someone wanted to play that from front to back and just decorate their walls with blood, just listen <laughs> to your butt, just over and over. You were talking. I can't remember if this is on mic or off at the beginning about how uh, you and Brad uh, see each other all the time outside mm. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Tyler and I joke that like at least 
eighty percent of the conversations that we have in life are on are on the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. We, like we don't talk anymore. I don't know that that's a bad. Well, did so you talked a lot when you first started, and then you grew apart. Well, we we <laughs> I, I we knew each other eight years before we did the podcast. We knew each wow. other from Missouri. We lived together in Chicago. So yeah, we are you best friends. Of, I don't think I have a best friend. Wow. What about you? Well, no. Obviously, my I, girlfriend I, is my best friend. What am I, what am I, I saying? I was, I was, was going to say, say yeah. David is my best friend. <laughs> no, you That's a joke, of course. Yeah. Uh, no. Because was... when Paul Goebel asked you, you said wow. no before I even had a chance. It stunk. Wow. <laughs> wow. We're getting into it now. We're getting deep. It's not so much that he's not my best friend as he is the person that I put up with mm. the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But so that's not, that's pretty good. I don't know that hanging out off mic helps a lot. Like, I mean, the chemistry is the chemistry, and you know when someone's going to joke, and you know how someone talks, and you know the cadence and all that, and you get that after the first 100 hours or so, I'd say. <laughs> but we're always at the same screenings. Like, we're always in the same interviews. Like, the Seattle market is so small that you're going to see every press person, whether you mm-hmm. want to or not. So it's like, well, I might as well sit next to the guy and know, and he'll yell at people if they have their phones out or something, right? Like, so it's, it's that kind of thing. Like, I was just at his bachelor party. I'm marrying him. So, like, oh, wow. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. So, I mean, we've been we've been friends for a while, but, like, I think he tolerates me a lot more than I tolerate him a lot better. He's kind of in Brad world all the time. And <laughs> and I, like, I don't know. I just tend to take on whatever emotions of the people around me. Like, if it's a really negative vibe, it makes me feel really bad, you know? And so when he's in a bad mood, it like affects me more than it affects him, strangely. So that when he can get very contrarian on our podcast, and it's just like, Brad, you have to agree with something I say at some point in the next 10 minutes, or I'm just going to strangle you. <laughs> like we talked about Smurfs 2 today on an episode that goes up Friday, and he hadn't seen the movie and took about 30 minutes to defend it. And I just couldn't believe it. I was just so stunned. And I was just like, why? Like, I can do better stuff with my life than this. I can go have a panini. You know, I can go I can go to the gym. I can go write. What, like, anything would be better than talking about Smurfs 2 and having you defend it who hasn't seen it. Well, so, what was... Okay, hang on now. now that's I'm, just petty annoyance. Now I'm what, fascinated. Was he just defending it just for this... For the sake of, well, what about just on principle? He was defending it because what he said was, was it good for eight-year-olds? And in my review, I put it was good for eight-year-olds. But I said, I don't think that's good enough given there are films that are good for eight-year-olds that adults like too. There's mm-hmm. like Monsters University is a pretty example of a film yeah. that I'm both people can enjoy. With you. Right? 100%. And he's like, well, but they did execute their thing. They wanted it to be good for eight-year-olds. It was good for eight-year-olds. And my point was, again, they did do that. I agree with that. That is not the world I want to live in. That is not a good enough result. They've accomplished yeah, nothing. That's, that's lowest common denominator. In my world, I think you can do both. And I think that because I've seen it done. And he just kept going back to this point of, well, you can't really ding it if it accomplished what it was trying to do. And it's I, like, no, I can. I, but I, I, also I think, think I might it, actually agree more with him. Here we go. I'm I, ready. I don't. I agree more with Laramie. I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> Tag team. <laughs> be, beca- because it can't always be about you guys. It's. It, <laughs> I think it can. Eight-year-olds are not consenting adults. So... Eight-year-olds are idiots. And, and, yeah, and I like eight-year-olds, idiots, but they don't and, know any better, right? And, and, like, yeah, and so it's actually it's better for them. Yeah, it's not only that it's good for kids and adults; it's better for just the kids if it's also a good movie. This is what we got into. I said you want to be showing your kids things of value, and he's like, "Well, my kids can't always watch educational stuff." And I said, "No, but complexity of plot drives complexity of thought, which leads to a smarter child who's introspective and thinks of things. Like, if you show them, here's Smurfs two, watch the bright lights." I admit that that will distract them for an hour and a half, two hours. Sure. It doesn't give them anything more than that, though. And you know what? It might actually be that I agree with you without without overtly doing so. Because part of me is just like, 
like if I saw, okay, having not seen the film, it's great. See it. Uh, no, no question about it. Um, but uh, I'm really in touch with my inner uh, moron eight year old. Yeah, yeah. But um, but that's the thing is like the idea of like watch the pretty lights. Mm-hmm. Now that to me would never. I would never show that to an eight year old. Like mm-hmm. that's not as long as the new Winnie the Pooh is around. Which which no question is very much for a younger group. I was able to appreciate it on that level. Sure. But that's the thing is so, so it, it's weird. Like just because a film is for eight year olds, right. Doesn't mean it's going to accomplish that. And so within that, it can still be good and bad. And so I do defend the idea of a movie being for a specific demographic primarily provided it does not compromise or dumb something down as a requirement to do that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I think we got into a lot of really weird esoteric <laughs> points. I was like, well, what if they created a movie called Lady Lady? And they said, it's for the ladies. It's not for the men. Don't bother. <laughs> like, would you go see that and review it? And he said, yeah. And I'd say if it wasn't good, but if it's good for the ladies, I'd say it's good for the ladies. You know, like, like that's kind of where it came down. And I just, for me, it's not good or bad, actually. Like, none of this stuff is good or bad. It's the world I want to live in. I do not want to live in a world with Smurfs 2. I do want to live in a world with Monsters Lady, Lady. You. Oh, Lady, Lady, exactly. <laughs> so... When I say I want to see movies that drive complexity, that's what I'm talking about. And the Smurfs, too, it created jobs and people got paid. And that can be enough. But let's, again, not reward things that are not of value. And that was kind of my whole point. Like, it's not a good movie. Is it good for eight-year-olds? Yes. But eight-year-olds don't have a discerning palate. So I almost negate that instantly. Like, I said, like, I have a dog. I could go dip him in mud once a day, and he would think that was great. Mm-hmm. Or I can go have him learn tricks, and he would think that was great. Well, it's probably better for his mind to learn stuff than to be dipped in mud. And that's kind of the parallel I make. Like, yeah, I can go drop my kid off for an hour and entertain him, but he hasn't learned anything, and he hasn't grown, and he hasn't experienced anything new. And that's, I think, kind of your job as a parent to help your child, not to distract your child. It's. Uh, I find Sounds myself. I. Nice I find myself torn because it's almost like, for example, Mister Rogers. Uh, we're uh-huh. three, three guys without kids. Yeah, it's true. It's very easy. Yeah, so yeah, we so. are free to talk about the this kind of thing, uh, objectively. Um, it's like Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers is a great show for children. Yeah. No adult would ever watch it though. Oh, I have like the, on their own the deep cuts of Mr. and Rogers. and don't be wrong. I think Fred Rogers is a freaking like national treasure. You watch any. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's footage of him testifying before Congress when they were going to cut the budget for PBS. Uh, for PBS. Hmm. And he is talking with a, uh, a congressman or a senator, I don't recall, um, who was pretty aggressive. And just through Mr. Rogers being Mr. Rogers, and that's all, he totally turned this guy around. And it was so amazing to see. Is that on YouTube? Or? It is on YouTube. Have you ever seen the thing that he won? It was like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, and he like... He made everyone quiet. Yes. Be quiet. And it has this great moment that's so Mr. Rogers. He's like... He's, yeah, he's like, let's just be quiet for... I can't remember. Like 10, 20 seconds or whatever he goes. And he just sort of goes, I'll, I'll watch the time. Yeah. It's and he just a great... Like, it makes me want to hug the guy. I know. Just, I, I think there's a difference, though. Mr. Rogers is teaching kids on the level of kids can be taught and that's why it's not palatable for adults smurfs 2 isn't teaching anything right no now so. i'm not saying smurf 2 smurfs 2 is be, simply because it wants to be for yeah kids that automatically makes it good for kids right but i am saying that like that, that there's nothing not that there's nothing for us in mr rogers as adults but it's for children mm-hmm. it is not for us true but it is also uncompromising and that, I think, is the difference. So I agree with 
your co-host to a certain extent in that something can be exclusively for children provided it does not it's not a cynical like well it's for kids so who gives a shit which i feel like is probably the smurfs 2 thing Uh, yeah i thought mr rogers actually does if you it does drive complexity for kids like it makes kids think i don't think smurf 2 it it drives complexity for kids that's my litmus test but it is very simplistic for adults true it doesn't automatically it's not it doesn't have to be for everybody, but that doesn't mean that be, just because it's not for me, that doesn't mean it is bad for this other age group. On the other side of the coin, a film like Up, like he w- he was actually saying that kids aren't going to get as much of Up as they do Smurfs too, and I was like, man, I hope that's not the case. Like because Up for adults, I think is relatively amazing, right? Same yeah. with Wally, but are kids losing the plot because they're trying to shade towards adults as well? I, it's tough for me to judge because I'm I not eight. So. You know, <laughs> my point of view. My I'm not a I'm not a very nostalgic person. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my childhood. But my loose memories of being a child were that I wanted to be an adult. <laughs> so I would have gravitated towards things like Up and Wally that I felt were like I would have felt like I was. Uh, it had sort of an aspirational quality. Like, yeah, I'm getting up there. Like, I'm understanding this. It would have been. It, it would have been. Uh, I can't. Remember, I can't think of what the word is that I'm trying to say right now. Aspirational, uh, gratifying oh, okay. for me to 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 watch up because mm-hmm. I would have been striving to 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 get it. Well, I think uh, I think a lot of kids probably want to be grown ups. The point I forgot to make that I thought of on the plane here. Oh, like, okay. I really had a good argument with myself. Was good movies for kids show them lessons. Bad movies for kids tell them lessons. So in Smurfs two, mm-hmm. Papa Smurf says. There's nothing more important than family or, or like it's not where you come from. It's who you are. And like right. real movies don't give out an aphorism as ta-da. You know, they show you with the character's motivations and with the depth of the story. Yeah. This is something you should do. This is a way of acting. This is an ethos. You know, that's a, a, a good movie that's for kids. It will do the same thing for children that a good movie for adults will yeah. do for adults. It yeah. will take you on the journey emotionally and the journey might be more simplistic because we're dealing with children, but yeah. that doesn't make it simple. And the, for example, I mentioned the new Winnie the Pooh. I watched that and I, and I thought it was very charming. And I thought if I, it's like, there's only so much I'm going to get out of it. Right. But if I had a kid, I would have no problem showing him this, knowing full well that he would have been engaged. Yep. And he would, I think if he were to put the lessons of the new Winnie the Pooh into practice in his life, he would be a better person. He'd be a better eight-year-old. Um, and so, like, it's... And this goes back to an argument I made a long time ago that I'm not sure where I stand now right. about where the wild things are. Yeah. Where that was something... The image I always had when they... When I saw the film... And by the way, I, I reacted emotionally towards it. It really impacted me. I think it was in my top ten at the time. Um, but ideologically I had a problem with the fact of it because this is the image that I had in my mind was there's a kid reading the book where the wild things are Mm -hmm. and he says wow this is he says out loud wow this is really good and then an adult says let me see that he takes it and he looks at it and goes this is really good thanks kid and walks away with it that to me, because I feel yeah, like that was the problem I had with that. Actually. I feel like where well, the wild I, things I know, are. When, I know that anecdotal evidence is all but useless, but my girlfriend's nephew loved where the wild right. things are and, and watches so, it all the time. Which I again is fair. Oops, I just don't think it was a movie for me. 
And I don't know if it was meant for me, but I did not like it. I loved it. It might have been my favorite movie that year. It was up there. It was either one or two. It I was don't in recall. the top few movies that year. Yeah. It, it was, was one ambitious. of the first movies I got when I got a Blu-ray player I felt like it was well. for adults, but if you, yeah, if you say... Right. See, I feel like it was... That's the thing. Which if missed kids, the point if kids, to me. Like, it should have been for kids. I feel like if kids enjoyed it, which it sounds like some of them did. We got one. We got I feel like if kids enjoyed it, it was incidental. Yeah, in that case, and I think that's a fair point. I'm, I'm but on I don't side. think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, like, I feel like the movie wasn't really marketed to kids. Which is weird. The, not necessarily, the, the, the but... The marketing seemed very much aimed at, you know, people who live in Silver Lake. Right, <laughs> but this, but that's the thing is... I mean, I guess it's it's source material. Movie, there's so much there's so much shit out there for kids anyway. Yeah. That why take one of the few things that is genuinely for kids <laughs> and make it for adults and make it for adults? Yeah, it's, that I, is it's a strange choice. I, I don't know if it's it, it's it's rated PG. Kids can go see it. It's no no one's stopping kids from being able to to see that. I, well, I don't they, think they can't drive. I, they have no I, agency. I, I'm saying, <laughs> well, parents, anything that's PG or G. Uh, I have realized parents will take their kids to because they assume it's a kids movie. Case in point. <laughs> the straight story? The straight story. Oh, you were going to say yes. that. Oh, okay. Going to see the straight story when I was, I guess, I was like 16 or 17 when that came out. And um, yeah, there just being a lot of people bringing their little kids to the straight story because it's rated G. Wasn't and- Temple of Doom PG? Uh, was Temple that was 13 I think or did it well, inspire that was right the 13 about their... there's a lot of famous ones that are PG that you're like really <laughs> like The Exorcist or, yeah, or, yeah. or um, the first Gremlins because you couldn't get a thir- there wasn't a 13 obviously there was an R but yeah, I, I want to say that Temple of Doom is PG as was Gremlins because I saw all those as a, when they came out like it, day and date and I think those were two of the ones that led to yeah, people saying those we need something else. Really I think, creepy, like really freaky for kids. I, I want to say the first PG thirteen movie ever was the original Red Dawn. Like, yeah, you're right. I, I think actually, that's what yeah. it was. I, I think I saw RoboCop as a kid too. Like, oh, violent, really. That, really violent. that one's a hard R. Though. That's yeah. an R. Yeah, you should <laughs> not have seen that. Oh, okay. I, I was in the wrong <laughs> theater. That happens. Um, I would say to just put a bow on this thing. I would say Smurf two would have a better time with me if How to Train Your Dragon didn't exist. You know, like if I had, like I even think Smurfs 1 is much better than Smurfs 2, which is crazy to say Stands to reason. Well, yeah, <laughs> before they sold out and got, yeah. You put a bow on it, I'm going to put a, a button on it. Do it. Do and it. say that, uh, guys, how awesome it is, is it that this thing we've devoted our lives to, movies, has led to us having this amazing conversation about <laughs> Smurfs, Smurfs 2. <laughs> like, and even the shitty ones are, that, like, so great. Like, uh, art is awesome, guys. And that's that's the thing. That's why... There is a conversation there, yeah. That's why... If if you are out there and you want and you aspire to write about movies or something like that, but you you cringe at the idea of watching the bad ones, don't get me wrong, they are probably cringeworthy. But this is a conversation. We got this conversation out of a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can still you can you can mm-hmm. learn maybe just as much from a bad movie as from a good one, albeit indirectly. <laughs> you could but, find value, sure. Yeah, and yeah. so so yeah, don't don't shy away from any of it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Larry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, you can listeners, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find our movie reviews, uh, both theatrical and home video, as well as links to this podcast and all the other podcasts in the Battleship Pretension fleet. You can follow me on Twitter 
at the pretension you can follow tyler on twitter at more lessons that's the official twitter of his other podcast more than one lesson which is at more than one lesson.com my other podcast is the weekly television wrap-up podcast uh hey watch this with paul and david this week we'll be talking about um unforgettable on C- on cbs starring Puffin montgomery montgomery and dylan walsh and uh the third season of web therapy on showtime mm-hmm. So this will be a fun one where we talk shit about the stuff we watched. Web therapy, still um, on. Yeah, they're still going. Fascinating. Um, so uh, that's where you can find find us. Um, oh, of course, you can always email us, david at battleshippretension.com, tyler at battleshippretension.com. Laramie, where, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Uh, Twitter.com, Laramie, L-A-R-E-M-Y. Uh, Laramie.com is also mine, but I warn you, if you check it at work, like 10 years ago, it was a restricted site. Now it's not. It's just movie reviews, but maybe check it at home to make sure you're clear with the firewall gods. <laughs> um, I have a book out on Amazon called Film Critic. Pretty easy to find. Just type in Film Critic. It's the only one out there. And, uh, you know, other than that, just call me on the phone, I guess. Text me or something. And we didn't talk about The Gathering. The Gathering. I'm Let's going talk to, real, okay, this real is, quickly. It's a Kickstarter project. This is like project. the post-credit scene. Here's what happened. Film Drunk, uh, you know, if you know that website, sure, sure, film.com. Yeah. One of their guys, because I'm on that podcast a lot, mm-hmm. the Film Drunk Frotcast, which you'll also find, I think, by typing in Laramie into iTunes. But um, the guy called me. We'd done a live podcast at the University of Chicago last year, which is great. Very, a lot of fun. A lot of fans came out. It was cool. This year, they said... Hey, if we can get a gathering documentary fully funded by Kickstarter, would you go and like, you know, do on camera and do interviews and all that? And I said, sure, thinking in the back of my head, that will never get funded. No one will want to watch that. That's a nightmare, right? Like Insane Clown Posse, like, what are we talking about? That's never going to happen. Four days later, it was fully funded. (laughs) And (laughs) that was months ago, and I've been taking out life insurance policies. So I'm headed to the gathering uh, next weekend in Castle Rock, Illinois. If you see me, I look like this. Say hello. And uh, we're going to do a documentary on the Insane Clown Posse in the gathering. So that's so you're happening. Going, there's a group of you going. That's happening. We have a four-person camera crew and three of us from, you know, um, ostensibly from Film Drunk in that case. So. Uh, and are you camping? or? Yeah, we got the RV. You can't leave, actually. Once you get there in the RV, you, you are forced to stay there until... Somehow that seems appropriate. Sunday night. Yeah, there's yeah, wrestling. There's Texas Hold'em tournaments. There's a lot of horror rap. It's, uh, it, we'll get there Thursday morning. It goes till Sunday afternoon or something. And, and stand-up comedy. Oh, yes, there's stand-up comedy. Yeah. That's probably generous. <laughs> um, it's going to be a good time, and just another one of those things I agreed to do that, in hindsight, now seems like a bad idea. I tend to, that's a, that, to get involved in stuff That's like a that. story to tell, though. That's <laughs> Admittedly, it might be a, what is it, four days? Yeah. It might be a four-day version of seeing Smurfs 2, it's where be... you you are able to comb Have lessons out of Have you seen Heart of, of Darkness? It. It's going to be a little, <laughs> yes. a little like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair enough. I read Heart of Darkness. It's a good book. It's a I didn't movie. see it. There is no. I did see it. There's a movie documentary on the Coppola Hearts film. Of That's Hearts of Darkness. Oh, my fault. Sorry. Heart of Darkness is a book, but there is a movie that um, Tim Roth and John Malkovich, directed by Nicholas Rogue. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's interesting. I, think I did see that. There you go. Trivia. Um, there you go. But then, of course, I also saw Apocalypse Now. Anyhow, just Laramie L A R E M Y. That's it. So I'm glad we got you yeah. on the podcast before you got uh, killed at the gathering. Yeah, <laughs> murdered <laughs> by you. All right. Thank you for being here. Thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 